Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Oh, my goodness. What a great call by Kevin Harlan the other night. Uh, the very ending of the Sixers game against the Grizzlies the other night. It is Saturday morning in the Delaware Valley, along with the great Mike Sealski, columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and contributor here on 94 WAP. I am Glenn Mack now. And yes, as I said, Mike, that was Kevin Harlan's call of the end of the game on Thursday. Thursday night? I'm, Thursday night. Yeah, I was way over. Thursday night. Right, I'm getting all confused. Yes. Uh, first of all, I, I do want to just reflect for one second on how great Kevin Harlan is. And when he calls game football, basketball, he's just greatest he uh his vocabulary is outstanding like it's not often you hear a play-by-play guy you know rise to meet the excitement of that of a moment like that and use the word thicket (laughs) while he's doing it but Kevin is terrific in that regard I was at that game Glenn and uh it was the environment was intense the building exploded during that sequence and the fact that uh, I couldn't hear Kevin Harlan was kind of the only drawback yeah. to the whole thing. Yeah. You know who he is to me? And Doc Emmerich was always my favorite play-by-play mm-hmm. guy nationally. And he's he's Doc Emmerich. Yeah. He is that good. Okay. But he's not really the story today. We'll do that someday. The greatest broadcasters. But as you said, it was an amazing ending to a game. And I'll you were there, so I'll get you to reflect on it where the Sixers are down by 17, sleepwalking through the first half, going to lose to Memphis uh, and come back and win their 14th game in 17 days. So I'm going to ask you two questions. First of all, if you would, reflect on kind of the night, the crowd, the excitement, what you saw at the Wells Fargo Center. For the first three quarters of that game, it was the basketball equivalent of having someone slam your hand in a car door. Over and over again, it was as the late, great Jack Shore, who covered the Big Five for, gosh, 60 years uh, here, would have said, bad hoops, Glenn, bad hoops. Mm. Just the Sixers didn't look good. Uh, Embiid looked like he was sick. It was kind of surprising before the game that he ended up on the injury report with a uh, non-COVID-related illness, and he was listed as questionable, and he looked questionable for most of that game. Uh, but they really buckled down defensively, and that fourth quarter, and that sequence in particular, man, that building was rocking. Yeah. And, it, and it, it was striking to me because you and I have talked previously on the show, and I think we're going to get into this, about the skepticism or cynicism around the Sixers and how good are they really. Well, 
close to 21,000 people in that building Thursday night were ready for them to be good and were willing to give themselves over to the idea that the Sixers could make a run. So I was out of town all week. I went down to Washington with the, the kids and the little ones and just had a great time seeing the monuments and the tour of the White House mm-hmm. and all that patriotic stuff. It was great. I had a great time. So I didn't see the game. I was kind of following on my phone every once in a while. Like, what? The, how are they down? What the heck? Yeah. And then they won. And then I turned on WIP late. And yes, I, people are saying, we're going to the conference. We're going to the finals. <laughs> Come on. You're kidding me. We can beat anybody out there. Um, which I guess does approach the question. The first thing I want to talk about, and uh, Mike and I, by the way, plan to talk about, oh, all four of the local teams today get into uh, the mix with the opening right after us on 94 WIP. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yeah. Hey, listening on the way home, baby. Springtime is here. And it's on TV. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles are always in season. We have some things to talk about with that. Um, I've ranted about the Flyers in recent weeks. You, can you drive the rant today? Oh, I think given my history with that team, I should be able to uh, conjure up a rant or two. Good. And a lot about the Sixers. Alex Coffey of the Philadelphia Inquirer is going to join us at 11. Keith Pompey, the fine basketball writer, is going to join us at noon. But as we start with the Sixers, and you just raised this topic, 20,000 people in that building went home pretty damn happy yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, the Thursday night and probably were all saying to each other, like, hey, you know, we ought to make sure we've got the dates cleared for the finals so we <laughs> can be there. We don't have anything uh, imposing. But I know that the I am still of the mind of, yeah, a regular season win like that is, is great when you come back. Uh, I heard Howard say something this morning that I kind of agree with, which is, you can't keep coming back in the fourth quarter because that's not going to work so well in the playoffs. You're going to have to win early and play consistent, more consistently. But it's the – it's and, and this, this topic has been raised a lot on this station, but today is as good a day to raise it as the Sixers play the Celtics on mm-hmm. national TV tonight, yep. which is another huge challenge. Do you believe? I believe they have a chance, and I wonder if – the residue of the Eagles' run to the Super Bowl and the Phillies' run to the World Series <laughs> has more people more inclined to think that the Sixers have a chance. We talked a little bit last week, I think, about the idea that fans want the ride more than anything else. And this team, certainly through the rest of the regular season, can give those fans a ride. Uh, they are a good team. They're as good as they've been during this period when We all thought at some point they'd at least get to the conference finals, if not get to the finals, if not win a championship. Um, I understand the cynicism and the skepticism. I feel a little bit of it, too. And in the end, the proof will be in you get to the second round, you're probably going to end up playing either the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis or the Celtics and their terrific team, and that'll be the real test. But that's kind of the fun part of this, too, is that Embiid has raised his game in the last three or four weeks, uh, maybe even longer than that. And the other thing, too, Glenn, is you have to pay attention. I was talking about this with Kyle Newbeck from Philly Voice the other night, Mm -hmm. and he made a good point. You have to pay attention to the league at large. I agree with you that, yeah, if you're the Sixers, you don't want to have to come back from a 17-point deficit every night. But that happens in this league fairly frequently around the league. And nowadays, with the accent on the three-point shot and – my God, I don't know if you saw that Sacramento uh, Clippers game last night. It was like 176, 175. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like a quadruple overtime. Yeah. It was. Yeah. 
It was like the All-Star game. It was. Um, a 17-point lead is not necessarily as imposing as it once might have been because of the three-point shot and the pace at which teams play. So well, all and, of that is to say— just, I, want, just want, I don't want to interrupt your flow. Just one it's little okay. thing. And because a lot of teams really don't care about the regular that season. That too. Which yeah. is you're playing a game and like, you know, hey, we're up 15. I don't care. I'm yeah. going home. Yeah. That's, that happens a lot. That's the, that's the tenor of these games now. So— uh, I would say this. I would say that this team is different enough from last year's team, from the team before that and the team before that, that it's understandable why people are saying, okay, maybe they'll they'll get to where we think they ought to get to this year when they didn't do it the previous years. Well, the difference being Harden and not Simmons? The difference being no Simmons. And George Niang said this the other day, that, that Simmons was like an anchor yeah. on this team. Yeah. Uh, the the controversy, everything about him. Harden in better shape, a better version of Embiid. I like the fact that Maxie is coming off the bench now. I think he gives them some spark and some juice. Hmm. Uh, and a better version, honestly, of Tobias Harris. I think the fact that he hit that big three-pointer the other night is, a, is the latest indication of how he's embraced what has become a really important role, which is as a spot-up shooter on this team. You need him to do that, and he's been that guy for the last two years and been pretty good at it. All right, Mike Sielski, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to describe my facial expression as, and not just like unshaven and and, <laughs> and, and sallow. Ready? Would, here, I, here it is. I would say uh, skeptical, grumpy grandpa. All right, you could have left out the grandpa, okay? <laughs> he went with the age thing. That, right? He, every time. Every day, every time. When you're old. Oh. Yeah, let, let's, <laughs> brutal, let's Mike. Go come with, on. Let's Sorry. go with the first two parts of that, right? Okay. Skeptical. Grumpy. Yeah, you don't even need the grumpy part. <laughs> probably true. Let's, go, let's stick with the skeptical. Okay. Okay. You gave me the side eye. I've been here before with this team, and yes, it is a different team. Ben Simmons isn't here. James Harden is here. Well, I saw James Harden in the playoffs last year, so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that skeptical face on. Uh, Joel Embiid has really raised his game in recent weeks. I waited for the Joel Embiid playoff run statement, and all these years we have yet to get it. I love Joel Embiid, and he's had a very fine career, but he hasn't had the defining playoffs moment. I'm waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Maxie off the bench, okay, yeah. that's good. I'll counter that with Doc Rivers as my coach. So there's a one up, one down there. Trump car, yeah. boom. So I'm I'm not believing. And, yeah, they're going to have to beat Boston or they're going to have to beat Milwaukee in the second round. And both of those are a long shot. Listen, they play Boston tonight. Boston beat them last time, I think, 106-99 to 99 when um, – oh, who went off? Uh, it was eight, three point. Oh, Blake Griffin. Yeah. Went, yeah. 92-year-old Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. When talk about old. And, and then, you know, express sentiments about Doc Rivers similar right. to the ones you Doesn't just did. Doesn't have the respect to cover me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I remain unsold. I would hope, we mm-hmm. all would hope, would love it, would love to see him go on a run like the Phillies or the, the Eagles, although maybe one of these days the team will close again, but I'm skeptical. I, I understand. Right. And, and look, I, I do think, final, to kind of tie a bow on this, um, I do think Embiid, as much as anybody, kind of has to take his game up just a tiny little notch. I love Joel Embiid, too. He's a great, great player. But there's a level that a guy like him yeah. kind of has to get to that he hasn't quite gotten to. Right. Great players, Hall of Fame players, have those postseasons. Yeah. He hasn't done that yet. We right. love him. Right. He's fun. He's good. He's exciting. He's one of the five best players in the league. 
Not there yet. And the thing about it, Glenn, is that you don't even have to to have one of those runs. You don't even necessarily have to be the best player on the floor every single night. Sure. You need to be the best player on the floor floor when your team absolutely needs you to be. Go Mm -hmm. back and think about the last time the Sixers made a really deep run, that 2001 team. Allen Iverson, some nights during that playoff run, was not great. But he was great when they were down a game to the Toronto Raptors. And they, he was great when that series was tied at two. And he was great in game seven against the Bucks. And so we forget about the games where he shot eight for 26. Yeah. And remember the ones where he dropped 54 and yeah. 44 when yeah. it really mattered. Yeah, all right. So James Harden's going to be the guy in those other nights? They're not. They're going to lose some games in the playoffs. Oh, okay. But okay. yeah, look, okay. Harden's going to have to be. Maxie's going to have to All be. Right. And Harris I, is going to have to be. I hope so. I, and I know when I say this, it's, oh, you're a hater. I'm not a hater. Would love to see it. Yeah. Skeptical. Yeah, I get it. Side eye. Totally get it. Grumpy. <laughs> All of the things that you said, although you know, except the old part, the, the ageism things. I'm oh, gonna, I'm sorry. I'm going to file something. I have. Human I have my here. share of gray hair. My. Uh, yeah. My baby face belies my age. Yeah, okay. Um, you know what? Let's get a call in here. 215-592-9494. Chuck in Glen Mills starts us off. Hey, Chuck, what's on your mind? How you doing, Glenn? All right. And Mike. Hi, Chuck. Uh, that game the other night was, I'm a little older than you guys, but that, that was an every night occurrence when the Sixers would play the Celtics in the 60s and the 80s. Every, every regular season game was like a playoff game, and the intensity was tremendous. I just think the Sixers are going to have to turn it up a notch on the defensive end if, if they want to have a chance against these other teams because they're going to run into teams are, that are just physically faster than them and play the game faster than them. And if, if they don't play a defensive mindset for 48 minutes, they're, they're going to be in trouble. You know, Chuck, you're, you're raising an interesting point, which is one that we used to talk about a lot, and I think Glenn will, will back me up on this. We used to talk about this a lot with respect to the Flyers which was they were going to work their tails off every single night during the regular season to a degree maybe that other teams wouldn't. I vaguely remember that franchise. <laughs> Let me go back. Yeah. Back into my youth. Yeah. Um, and then when the playoffs would come around, when every team is giving it everything they have every minute of every game, the Flyers would tend to come up short. I think that's a fair point with respect to the Sixers. Look, the Sixers lead the league in attendance. That atmosphere at the Wells Fargo Center – is about as good as it gets in the NBA, that's going to lift them on a night-to-night basis. And they're Mm going to win games just by sheer work ethic and momentum from the home crowd. Will that happen in the playoffs as frequently? All right, let me get another couple of things in here. And uh, we are going to take some phone calls today. Look forward to talking to you today, right after us. 94 WIP, 105 PM. Mm -hmm. Scott Fransky, Larry Anderson, spring training. Baseball. The pop, Phillies. The crack of the bat, the pop yeah. of the mitt. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Larry Anderson. You want to talk about a guy being grumpy for good cause? <laughs> Larry Anderson. Hey, are we carrying the, the Phillies Yankees or the Phillies Tigers? Do a sp- sp- I believe sp- it's Yankees. All right. Phillies Yankees. Yes. Okay. There you go. I have no idea who's playing. Well, actually, we can get the lineups. Well, I, we do know this. We oh, know okay. that um, in the, it's a split squad day. Yeah. So in Lakeland against the Tigers, we do know that Nick Castellanos, Scott Kingry, Dalton Guthrie and Cody Clements are all playing in that game in Lakeland. There you go. So Cody Clements. Cody Clements. Okay. Rocket Junior. Project Kid. Uh, my only thing I have to say with spring training baseball is, God, I love it. I really do. I love – here's why – and you – you know what? I know you're less of a baseball fan than you are the other – we've talked about mm-hmm. that. The Okay, my order 
how do we want to do this? Sports you like to follow or sports you like to watch? Because it's kind of different. It is. Okay. It is. All right, let's do sports you like to watch. Okay, sports I like to watch. My order is, are we doing live or in the on TV? Because that's different. Let, let, all right, let's do live. All right, live. Ta- yeah. Sports I like to watch live. Hockey. Uh, Football. Mm-hmm. Basketball. Baseball. Wow. Did yeah. you say that? What about you? You did. So, live at the arena or on television? No, live in a building. In a building. Hockey? Yeah. If I'm not covering it, baseball. Yeah, you're not covering. This baseball, is not you. I would put second. Okay. I would, because you're out in the sunshine. Yeah, yeah that's true. All I of that. Then basketball, yeah, then football. I, I, okay. Yeah. See, it's funny. Football is, is... But football's by far and away the best on TV. All right. Best to uh, follow. Which sport you like to follow? For me, following, I love following baseball. I love the storylines. I love the box scores. I love the development. I love watching the young kid come up. So that's it. Baseball, football, hockey, basketball to me to follow. To follow. Foot- I, hate, I hate following basketball because it's like, oh, Kyrie Irving demanded a trade. Like, <laughs> I, I hate the storylines in the NBA. Now. Okay, following football, hockey, basketball, baseball. Football, hockey, basketball. Yeah, see, you don't you don't get baseball like I get baseball. I did. I did, but uh, it lost me a little bit along the way. I'm hoping it gets me back. I really am. And I will say this, Glenn. When was it? 20, 2019. Uh, I took my father uh, for his Christmas gift. We went down to Clearwater for three days. He had nice. never, he, we had never been before. He had never been. Hold on. Alex, you listening, son? Go ahead. <laughs> I so, just took them to Washington. Now, you know, there you go. Um, back, my kid. <laughs> so we went down and you know watched two games and just drank beers in the sun. It's the greatest. It, it was great. It's it the was greatest. Great. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway. Uh, I, I I just would love anybody to talk about baseball. We're going to talk to Alex Coffey. I'm excited. I don't think this kid Painter is going to make the team, but I want to watch and see. Mm. Uh, she had a piece about Scott Kingery trying to come back off yep. the scrap heap. That's good. She talked to Nick Castellanos about yeah. trying to come back from yeah. his season last come year. Come on, let's talk some baseball. Okay. Come on, get the mitt. Throw it around. <laughs> I just I love all that stuff. Um, okay, let's talk. Just just We're trying to throw some stuff out here in the open. The issue with the Eagles, and we will get to this later this hour, uh, well, there's two. One is prioritizing the free agents. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is we're going to start looking at the big draft board. And one is defensive coordinator. And while I was out of town, Mike, it sounds like every candidate for defensive coordinator is now off the list. Yeah, no Vance Joseph took the job with the Broncos. No Jim Leonard, uh, who is going to sit out coaching this year because he's having hip surgery. That's a rough It is. Um, Yeah, I I wonder if – the candidate who ends up coming in as the defensive coordinator, because I do think it's almost taken for granted that Brian Johnson's going to get promoted to be the offensive coordinator. Haven't heard any other names. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's just a matter of making it official. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about that, but it certainly I seems imagine that they're way. waiting till they find the defensive coordinator and then yeah. they'll name that. If there were other names for OC, I think we would have probably heard the rumor. Yeah, and and you know what, Glenn? It's so funny in terms of a hire like this comes down so much to timing. Uh, I heard Sheil Kapadia on the morning show a couple of days ago mention Mike Zimmer uh, as a guy mm-hmm. who the, the Eagles might want to look at. Now, he's a crusty older guy, and Jonathan Gannon was I a lot of— crusty older guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I teed him up for we'll you get, there. Yeah, now, we'll get into that more later yeah. in the hour. Uh, and in terms of hockey, I just want to say this. I got home last— Late uh, yesterday afternoon around dinner time, it's like, yeah, flip on the TV, the Flyers, and I'll put on the Flyers. I just aggravate myself. <laughs> I swear to God, I put on the Flyers. It's like there's 10 seconds left in the first period. 
And I think the Flyers just kind of like clear the puck and almost start skating toward the, you know, the exit. And all of a sudden, this kid on Montreal. Um, Yvonne Cornwaye? No. <laughs> no, Peter Mahavlich. <laughs> yeah. Takes a puck, skates down, and scores. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? You're sleeping <laughs> through it. And then I turn it off. And then I put it on later. Mike, I swear to God, I put it on. And Provorov puts one in his own net. Yeah. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah. So you have promised a good rant before the end of the show. I I, I will save and conserve energy Ooh. until the time is okay. appropriate. We have taken criticism. And I don't pay that much attention to criticism on social media because people do that, and that's fine. I, I get it. That we don't talk enough hockey, mm-hmm. and then we get criticism when we do talk about it. Right, hockey. because we don't talk about it in the right way. So, quote unquote, the, the phones are open. If you want to talk about the Flyers rant or tell us we're missing something and they're better than we think, by all means, please do. And here's the final thing before we go to break way too late, which is this. Uh, we also don't often give away prizes on this show mm-hmm. because we have enough other stuff to talk about. But there is a thing that happened in the last week that to me, and I haven't heard anybody else do this theme. If somebody else did. I apologize. Again, I was out of town. The Matt McClung thing happened last week. Yep. It was great. It was pretty cool. You wrote a column about it. I did. I you went, down went to, to Delaware. I went to Delaware. There you go. To talk to Mac, the slam dunk champ. And I asked you before the show, were we ever going to see him again? Is he ever, like, is there, is he going to get an NBA career or something? Is he going to be a sixer? And you said? No. <laughs> <laughs> I said I would be surprised. Uh, just for, yeah. for reasons of size and skill set and those okay. things. So he is the ultimate one day wonder. Yes. He had his 15 minutes of fame. He had his moment in the spotlight. He took full advantage of it. He became a national sensation. He got a shoe deal. He did. I read Puma. In piece. He got Puma. a one-year shoe deal from Puma. Didn't know they still made Puma. Um, I had Puma, I think, in seventh grade. Uh, I, I might have, too. They're still around. They're yeah, still around. Like, you know what I like about the sneaker business now, Glenn? Mm-hmm. New Balance apparently is cool, which shout out to all the 47-year-old fellow white guys out there who now are at the vanguard of style. Glenn is has lifted his leg in the air to show me his New Balance sneaks that he has donned for this show. There you go. Master of cool, Who knew? Glenn Macknow. Uh So, we are going to give away a $25 gift card today uh, to Conchock and Brewing Company mm-hmm. because I own the joint and I can give them away. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. So, the best, and by the way, you have to call with a good topic and you have to like have a good conversation mm-hmm. and we're not even going to let you get there. But give us the best one-day wonder. You want to set parameters on this? Sports, not sports? I think sports, right? We want to do sports, yeah. You make the call. Yeah, sports. Best one-day wonder in sports. Okay. That you've seen, and you get a $25 gift card to Conchock and Brewing Company. Locations around suburban Philadelphia. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Macnow. Saturday morning on 94 WIP. We have, uh, we've thrown it all into the agenda today. We really uh, have a lot of ground we want to cover, including um, end your conversation with your best one-day wonder, the uh, Mac McClum Memorial Trophy. <laughs> oh, God, I hate to do that to the poor guy. Uh, that's okay. He has, you know, he deserves to be memorialized. When you win the slam dunk competition and are credited with saving the contest, yeah, well, you, you get a memorial trophy. I don't know if he saved the contest, but he did make it interesting one year. My God, that All-Star game was just... Not good. You yeah. know that the Daytona 500 got twice the rating 
that the NBA All-Star game did twice the viewership. I mean, that's that's amazing. It is, although I'm curious what that would if it would have been that different ten years ago. I don't know that it would have been or not been. Um, you know, there's. I'm just gonna Dave and Gary hang in one second. I'm gonna get both of you guys coming right up. Anybody else? Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. There has been since the start of this medium and the start of WIP, which pretty much coincide. We were the second sports radio station in the country. The issue of well, why don't you guys talk about auto racing? People mm-hmm. follow auto racing. Yeah. Why don't you guys cover? You know, uh, that would be the big one. Soccer, I guess, would be one. There's certain things that we really don't talk about mm-hmm. that people care about. And I know I have friends who care about auto racing. My right? kids love it. Okay. Um, but it's not something that we talk about. There's there's a couple of reasons. One is there's no local team. Yeah. And it, that always is a factor. I mean, when we talk about hockey, which isn't very often, but we do, we talk about the Flyers. Right. We're not talking about the Kings versus the Jets. Mm -hmm. Correct. The Jets versus the Sharks. (laughs) When you're a Jet. Never mind. Um, I'll I'll save the singing for my free time. Yeah. Football is probably the only one that we really will branch out and talk about things other than the Eagles. Because it has the audience for that. Yeah. Sunday night football, Monday night football, Thursday night football. You're watching football even when it's not the Eagles. But car racing is something that we don't talk about, and it wouldn't work in this market. It might work, you know, maybe down in Georgia or other markets. Mm-hmm. But um, I know people, you know, people watch it. It gets ratings. Yeah, and and the, the, the excuse me, the Daytona 500 yeah. is the granddaddy of that yeah. season, and the NBA All Star Game is not. So the NBA All Star Game is putrid. Not good. Dave in Northfield. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? A uh, couple of quick things. First, baseball. Um, my grandson, I'm going to be 60, and i got a 10-year-old grandson. And he's played baseball, and he actually is pretty good. But I don't think kids today are as into the pro sport as when I was a kid. Because when I said to him, hey, bring training starting, because we were watching the news, he, got, he just shrugged his shoulders like he didn't even know what it was. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, like even six or seven, I knew what that was. I mean, baseball was big in the house. You, you know, Dave, it, it, not to interrupt, but you have put your finger on something that I think is really, really true. I read something this week, and I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly where I saw it. But there have been numbers crunched on this to show that kids nowadays are not paying as much attention to professional sports to the point that the NHL, Glenn, is actually bringing in teenagers as consultants to try to figure out how to reach a younger generation of Smart. fans. Smart. Yeah. Um, whether it's through social media or a greater emphasis on issues away from hockey and things of that nature, it's um, it's a it's a it's an issue. It's a problem for some of these leagues, Dave. I think you're you're right on the money there. The other thing is is uh, you know when the Sixers win, they win because they've got talent and they're focused. And when they lose, they lose because They've got the talent, but they don't stay focused. And I believe that people blame the coach a lot. I don't care who the coach would have been, whether it was Brett Brown or, or Larry Brown or, or Doc Rivers. I really believe that we've had some good coaches. I happen to think that Doc is really good. And I, and I played ball, and, and I think that uh, the guys, if they're not focused for whatever reason – doesn't matter how good or bad the coach yeah, is. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much with you on, Doc. Uh, what is your one-day, or who, or what is your one-day wonder? Not a one-day wonder. 
modern-day wonder, but it's an unbelievable wonder, and that was the Miracle on Ice, the uh, hockey team that won the Olympics. Dave, it was one of the more amazing moments of my life, and I remember it. Um, It's it's not a one-day wonder because they did it over a period of time. Mm -hmm. It was an incredible thing, and the anniversary was, what, two days ago? Yeah, just just this week. And I will always remember that we had Mike Ruzioni on when Ray and I did story and got the whole background. I went to college with Mike. Actually, Did you really? My my late mother-in-law, my dear late mother-in-law, taught Mike reading and said... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So so let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Great. Oh, my gosh. She said, as a student, he was a pretty good hockey player. She should grade. take credit for his wrist shot, too. Yeah. That's what <laughs> beat the Russians. Yeah, I knew him a little bit in college. but um, that's Yeah, that was, that was an amazing moment. I don't know that it's a one-day wonder, but I'm still glad he brought it up. The thing with baseball, um, and it's, it's all pro sports, right? Because your, your kids are not as glued to pro sports as you were at their age, I Correct. assume. That okay. is right. I mean, I'm with my, my 10-year-old grandson this week, and it's like he, he likes it. I mean, mm-hmm. he was— He's, he was wearing his Eagles NFC championship sweatshirt, which I wish was an Eagles, you know, yeah. Super Bowl sweatshirt. I get you. Um, but he's like into Pokemon and other stuff. I think there's so much other things for them to pay attention to now. When I was a kid, it was like there was baseball and then there was football. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, baseball's back. And the, the things that they can occupy their time with are so close in the experience to watching a game on television or reading about it that if given the choice they'll do the thing they want to do like this is going to sound a little weird but both of my kids play chess online it's great and that's great they would much rather do that than sit and watch a baseball game i think i 
I think that's great. Um, yeah, my grandson wants to be a social media influencer and has started his own, I swear to God, he has started his own YouTube page. Oh, my gosh. CZ Hub. Okay. Carl Zachary. Mm-hmm. Um, in which he and his friends eat hot sauces. It's it's like the uh, the hot sauce challenge. Yeah. Thing. And they do that, and their heads blow off, and then they discuss it. So, yeah. <laughs> the, the last thing, because we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Today, but so we're in we're in uh, at the Smithsonian, and, and it's like, listen, I'm their grandfather. It's like you guys, whatever you want to buy, right. it's on pops, right? He wanted to. His brother bought a Lego set of the Capitol. Like, okay, this mm-hmm. is good. He bought. At the Museum of Natural History, a chocolate-covered scorpion, uh, <laughs> earthworms, sour sour patch, real earthworms, like not okay. right. And what was the third? The third thing was equally creepy, like uh, cockroaches and something. And it's like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I can eat these on my show. People will really like it. So, oh my gosh. if you're bored, go to YouTube and find CZ Hub, and you'll see my grandson. Eating you using all things. those words in a row like that. It was yeah. like you were playing the craziest game of Mad Libs in history. <laughs> <laughs> Sour Patch Earthworms. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gary in the Northeast, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, boys, I got two things. I got, I got Embiid in the Flyers a little bit. Uh-huh. I, 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 I'm an Embiid trader. I, I can't believe I want him traded, but I was, I was amazed how he played uh, what? Against, against Memphis. I mean, we need his aggressiveness. He actually showed up and played Wednesday night. Gar- Gary, you, you do realize that over the last couple of years, Joel Embiid's been – Probably like one of the two or three best players in the NBA. It's all about the playoffs, though. You know what I mean? It's all about the playoffs. He doesn't show up in the playoffs. Uh, well, I'll say I, this much: I, I I think this year is kind of like put up or shut up time. I, I think exactly, exactly. I, I don't know that it's put up or shut up. I do think that if the Sixers don't get past the second round, and if Embiid goes through what he apparently has gone through over the last several years, the you know the, the sickness and not being in peak physical condition at the end of the year, then there may be a turning you know of the, in the public perception of him generally. But uh, it's kind of hard to argue with what he does each season. Guys, we, we have to do you want to win a championship or MVPs? you know we got we got to get some value for him before he's too old. Yeah, it's tough to trade though. I, I, I hear your sentiment. I don't know how you trade him. What's your thoughts on you, the floor? You're not getting value for him, Gary. Yeah. Yeah. What's your thoughts well, on the Flyers? Yeah, the Flyers thing is, I'm a 15-year uh, ice hockey official. I, I do I do junior games that are better than the Flyers. It's it's just an absolute. The defense is an absolute disgrace. Uh, Provorov is, is just he's going backwards. Um, and I'm actually thinking they're killing the kid's career. Uh, Carter Hart. Yeah. I'm thinking he's the only asset they have. We have no. Oh, you want to trade him no, too? <laughs> wait, you want to trade Embiid and Carter Hart? You want to yeah, trade Jalen Hurts too? We, what are you doing? We have no, we, no, we have no team speed. Well, no, all of that is true. But geez, oh man, I, I listen. The trade deadline is next week. Was it Wednesday? Friday. Friday. It's coming Friday. Excuse me, Friday. Uh, Provorov, they got to get rid of Provorov, right? That's the if you say there's one name that's well, JVR. That's yeah, kind of easy, Reed's right? Everybody that, but that's that's like a given. Yes, trade Provorov. Yeah, I would look into it absolutely. I don't think it's a must that they have to do it. But I would look at there isn't there really isn't a player on the roster other than Carter Hart, who I would contra what Gary says, who I wouldn't look at and go if I got the right package for him I would move. Okay, him. but I'm asking you a different question. Okay, I am motivated to move Protoff. It's not like yeah I'm open to hear what you have to say. I have a priority of getting this guy out of town. I think he has gone backwards. 
He hasn't helped. I don't think he's a particularly good teammate. I watched him put a puck in his own net. That happens yeah. to anybody. But like, maybe it's just me. I'm I'm like I'm tired of the game of a guy who I thought was going to be something really great who hasn't. Mm-hmm. And maybe he goes somewhere. He's still young enough. Maybe he goes somewhere and he is great. It ain't happening here. No, it's not. Um, you know, there was an interesting point raised. I think it was by our friend uh, Anthony Sanfilippo uh, on his uh, Flyers podcast. Yeah, does About, it, he and Terry and do a terrific job. Yeah, and, and the point was that Provorov has played so much hockey in his life. Like, he was a prodigy at the, you know, age yeah. 12, 13, yeah. 14, playing every single day of every single year of his life. That maybe he's just kind of, at, at some level, tired of the sport that... At 25, 26, however old he is, it's burnout? like, yeah, I'm burnt. I've, I've been doing this so long, like, this, wow. the the life and zest for the sport I, is gone. Yes, but haven't they, aren't they all? Right, who in the NHL wasn't playing he, he at was, that level when he they were 12? He was really something different, though. Okay. I mean, he came over here from well, Russia, went to Wilkes-Barre, lived yeah, up there for a yeah, while. Yeah, he he might be an exception in that. Russia, Wilkes-Barre. It's pretty much the same. Mike Sealski finished that sentence. <laughs> I chose to set him up to do that. You can Sorry. reach him on Twitter at? Uh, at Mike Sealski. There you go. And I'm at Real Glenn Mac now. I did not rip Wilkes-Barre, let the record <laughs> reflect. Although Wilkes-Barre is, that area is the, uh, considers itself the pizza capital of the world. I know. I When I went up to get my first COVID shot, I learned that. Mm-hmm. 215-592-9494. Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. Glenn Mack now, Mike Sealski, commiserating about Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> We've done chess with my kids and Wordle with the two of us. And Pokemon and all that. It's great. I, uh, I struck out this week on Wordle for the first time in like 90 days or something. Oh, man. Uh, Wednesday was riper. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I get those where you go down the chute. I had mm-hmm. the I, blank I, blank E-R, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, let's see. What could it be? Wiper? Viper? I, I, sniper? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and my wife kicks my butt in Wordle, and it's very humbling as somebody who earns his living with words. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're expected to do well. Exactly. All right, let's get to Jim in South Carolina. What's going on, Jim? Hey guys, uh, great calling in to you guys. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Thanks. I, was, I got I got in my car earlier. I was telling your producer, and I uh, I'm, I'm thinking baseball. You know, after that. Eagles lost. My heart is just, I'm, I'm waiting for the Phillies. Spring the training center. today, my friend, right here, 94 yes. WIP. Scott and Larry. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, very excited. And then, um, Glenn, I actually met you about 20 years ago. I know you're a fan of the theater, and uh, yeah. I guess you had a membership to uh, the Walnut Street Theater. And, yeah. Uh, I had bumped into you there during intermission, and, and we just gave a brief hello. I, Do we I remember what play it was? Years. I've seen so many. I okay, that's fine. Not. Yeah, I, I don't, but anyway... Um, uh, so yeah, so uh, the, uh, do you guys have any updates on uh, Harper's injury? Will he be will be will he be able to play the field, or is he going to still be? Uh, First of batting? all, we are going to be having Alex Coffey of the Inquirer on in about uh, twelve to fifteen minutes, so mm-hmm. you're going to want to listen to that. Second of okay. all, I read the other day, and I'd never heard this phrase before. He is about to begin dry swinging. Yes, which is not okay. dirty. <laughs> it may sound dirty, <laughs> but it's not. But what it means is he can swing a bat, but not at a ball. Yes. So he will right. not be he, – he's scheduled time back is around the All-Star break. Correct. And will likely DH for a while before he ever plays the field. So, Okay. But, okay. but the way Nick Castellanos played right field in the postseason last year, <laughs> uh, it's not anything that anyone yeah. has to worry about. Gold Glover, Nick yeah. Castellanos. 
You had a anyway, uh, one uh, one day wonder, Jim. Yeah, one day wonder. So I, I think Glenn's really going to get this one. And I was thinking back, it was funny because as soon as I turned the radio on, you guys were talking about how some people were complaining that there wasn't enough Flyers talk. And I'm one of the biggest Flyers fans in the entire world. I, I I've loved them as far as long as I can remember, but it's they're just it's it's just brutal these days, and, and it's a shame because it's something that I miss. But uh, Glenn, do you remember Yuri Dopita? Oh yeah, I think was, he was supposed to be like he the was the best player, player best player in Europe, player. best player yeah, who was yeah. not in the NHL. Right, correct. He scored four goals in one game. Yes, and we never heard from him again. I remember. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually that's a pretty yeah. good one. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. He was going to be all that, and he did have that one. Yeah, day. that's that's similar to the one that I came up with. Yeah, I know. The break. Yeah, I, I won't it, reveal it now. It'll, but, it'll be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, John in Philly wants to talk about Tyrese Maxey. Coming off the bench, John, what do you think? I like that because he reminds me of the way Vinny Johnson used to be back in the day. Oh, the, the microwave. The My favorite yes. player. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I think that they have really good chemistry now in spite of their coach. And I should be a chemistry teacher. So <laughs> I don't <know> <laughs> so I'm in that category of practically old man now. I just retired, and everything that you guys are talking about, I'm loving it. I am loving it. You like the Tyrese Maxey off the bench. I do. He gives them energy. Uh, He is clearly the fans' favorite player. I think they like the fact uh, that he, you know, Matt Cord can announce that he's coming into this game, into a game. Those sorts of things, they might seem silly, but in the environment and the atmosphere and the moment of a game, I think they do help. And uh, I like the, the burst that he gives them off the bench. I totally agree. You got a one-day wonder? Yeah, now once again, I said I'm an old guy, cracking your old man. I'm thinking back in the day with the Dallas, with the Dallas Cowboys, who I hate. Yes. But they had, they had Clint Longley. Yes. The quarterback. Remember, I do. Yep. And, and John, you're a great yep. guy. I love you. This has been a great call. What do you think the chances are that we will award this <laughs> to somebody who played for this? I know. But thank you I anyway. Know. That's okay. Thank you very much. That was That's a good pull. Oh. He brought up Vinnie Johnson. Uh, I lived in Detroit before I moved yeah. here, and I was there when the Sixers were just starting to get really good. I moved mm-hmm. here before they won the Bad Boys Champions, but I was there as they were putting that right. team together with Isaiah and Lambeer and and Vinnie Johnson. Man, he would he would come off the bench. He was he he was short squat. I mean by basketball standards, mm-hmm. probably six two. Yeah. Thick-legged guy. Had that weird jump shot where he yes. put the ball way over his head. Yes, yes. Put it way back there and throw it up. Had a, looked like a bullfrog. <laughs> and he would. He would, let's say, the Sixers are down 51 to 45, no energy. And they'd bring him off the bench like, boom, boom, boom. Yep. Yeah. Loved him. He hit he, That, John, the caller there, took you from ecstasy of Vinnie Johnson yeah. to agony no. of Clint Longley no. and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's okay. We, we, we recovered. Uh, John in Maniunk is with us. Hey, John. Hey, guys. I just want to bring up something. It might not seem that big, but I think it might help. Uh, maybe you guys have more knowledge of it. But So mm-hmm. I think the schedule is different this year where we have to play yeah. almost every team. And maybe we play the Braves and the Mets because the Mets basically stole our lunch money last year. So the way, the way it works now, and, and, I, and I, I love most of the rule changes. This is the schedule change, not the rule change. But they want to make it that you get to see every player on every team. So yes. you play every team. So Otani will either be here or the Phillies will go to L.A., Otani mm-hmm. and, and Trout, and basically every other team, which sounds fine in theory, but it means far fewer games within the division. Yes. Well, I like – seeing the Mets and the Braves and the Nats. Those are the games that I get most excited about. 
those are going. I forget exact number, but it's going down to maybe nine a year per team, yeah, something I think like so. that. And and yeah, you play the Mets and the Braves fewer times, but it also means that they play you fewer times. So if you're all equally good, it kind of evens out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. You play but, the Marlins um, and the Nats less, and those are, should be easy wins. Yeah, but I mean, the National League East might be the best division in the sport, mm-hmm. so. It's going to help those three teams that you just mentioned, the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets, that they're not beating up on each other. Um, I mean, it's— I guess. It, yeah. Wild card playoff, I, yeah, I guess. It'll give you a little bit of an edge, but whatever. I don't really care about the Royals coming in, to be honest No, with that's you. true. Not, not unless George <laughs> Brett is still right. playing third base for them. John, you have a uh, one-day wonder here? Yeah, uh, going back, uh, Buster Douglas knocked out Mike Clayson oh. out of the blue at one game, one point. That is so great. That's that's that one's going to be hard to beat. That is I a, think. all right. We got yeah. his info. Yeah, that's that's pretty good, John. You uh, you are in the lead for a twenty five dollar gift card to Conchahawk and Brewing Company. Glenn, do you remember where you were? I do. When you watched that fight, I was doing an appearance for WIP at a bar on McDade Boulevard. Wow. And thought like, well, this thing's going to end fast. Tyson's going to knock this guy out, mm-hmm. and it went the entire other way. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I was home with my dad and a couple neighbors watching on pay per view or HBO Showtime, HBO, mm-hmm. whatever it was on. And what I remember most, and this was kind of reaffirmed, I read something recently about the fight, that if you watch the replay of it, the commentators like describe the fight as if it's just taken for granted that Tyson's going to win. And they're describing the fight in terms that Tyson is beating Douglas. When if you actually watch it, Douglas is beating the you-know-what out of Tyson from mm-hmm. the moment that fight begins until the moment it ends. And it's almost like people couldn't reconcile what they were couldn't seeing. Couldn't fathom it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's probably true. I don't remember the broadcasters. I remember people in that bar going nuts yeah. like, in disbelief. But it is a great one-day wonder because after that, Buster Douglas like ballooned up to 400 pounds. There was a piece in Sports Illustrated. Yes. I think it was him on a motorcycle, and he was just gigantic, obese, porcine. Yeah. And did he did he ever win another? He didn't defend his title, right? No, he lost the next bout. I think was it Riddick Bowe? Was it Evander Holyfield? Yeah, I'm I don't remember, remember but it was it's a great one day wonder. Yeah, I mean it's, it's the ultimate. It is. Yeah. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Coming up, we talk to Alex Coffey, terrific baseball writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. She's down in Florida. We're going to get her. Actually, she's going to be on the set, road. Yeah, set the scene driving to yeah. a spring training game. On the road to Lakeland. Oh, where would you rather be, Mike? I'd rather be in Clearwater at the ballpark, <laughs> not driving to Lakeland. Yeah, what? I wonder why she chose that game. We'll find out. We will. From Alex Coffey. Next on 94 WIP. I don't think there were any two people who were more surprised <laughs> that Nick Castellanos caught that ball in game one against the Braves than Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. LA is like, oh, oh. <laughs> it's great. LA spent the whole postseason kind of reacting to stuff on the field. It was great. It was, uh, it was great. And uh, there that day in Atlanta uh, was my colleague uh, and our terrific Phillies beat writer at – the Philadelphia Inquirer, Alex Coffey, who joins us right now on 94 WIP. Alex, how are you, and how is the ride to Lakeland? <laughs> I actually decided not to go because Lakeland is an hour and a half away, and I one way, and I just didn't have that in me today. But um, but I'm good. I'm standing on the backfield 
trying not to get deemed. I've had a couple of near-death experiences over the <laughs> last few days, so I was just trying to keep my head on a swivel. Um, Spring but, training uh, is yeah, not supposed to be this dangerous, kiddo. No, it's not, but I feel like I should probably wear a helmet or catcher's gear or something. Because <laughs> um, I don't know if they're trying to throw at me or trying to hit at me, but somehow I always get like an inch away from getting <laughs> Well, being, so. Well, if, if we lose you during the interview, I will go off air and call 911 in Clearwater, Florida to get somebody to help you. Uh, I promise. I'll try to get some workers comp. (laughs) So I I wanted to start with this. You talked to Nick Castellanos, and we led the segment uh, with the sound of his catch uh, in that game against the Braves. You talked to him uh, about how he struggled last season in his first year with the Phillies and why you might, why he might think things are going to be different. Kind of what's your perspective on the player and particularly the hitter Castellanos was last year, why he struggled the way he did and why there might be reason for optimism or why there might be reason to think, uh Oh, you know, this performance is going to repeat itself. Yeah. So I guess starting with um, just from a hitting standpoint, um, he said that he was trying to overcomplicate things like was moving his head too much, moving his bat too much. Um, when hitting coach Kevin Long was back at his tape this off season, he just saw a lot of like, extra movements that he hadn't been incorporating into his swing in previous seasons. So it seems like as a rule of thumb with him, just keeping it simple is a better way to go. Um, And from a mental perspective, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a bumpy transition for him coming out of the lockout, finding a new team to sign with abruptly having to find a place in Philly, people finding out that that place had been inhabited by Ben Simmons before and making a big (laughs) deal of it. Um, and like, he also, like you know, the birth of his seventh, second son um, in May and not having time to really be a dad, um, that was tough for him, too. So, so I think all in all, it was just a lot of stuff was going on off the field that might have contributed to maybe that transition not being as smooth as it could have been. Um, so, And then, of course, you know, adjusting to a big market like Philly. Um, I believe it was Ken Rosenthal who reported that um, – he was hoping to sign initially with his hometown uh, team in Miami, and that would have been a much lower stress uh, mm-hmm. media market situation closer to home. And then to, you know, end up in Philly, I think, and that abruptly, uh, not that he doesn't want to be here, but I think that it was, it was abrupt and it was a diff- difficult transition for him. So uh, this is a long-winded way of saying I think it was a combination of things that contributed to what we saw from him last year. Which should all be better this year? Uh, I believe so. He would but, say he know, would say that it should be predict, better. Th- no, I know, understand, but he would say that that none of those are an issue this he year. He is optimistic, and Kevin Long is optimistic, and I just almost got hit by a foul ball again. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get behind a fence yeah. for God's sakes! Uh, okay, behind a fence, but, all right. Yeah. One of the uh, we're talking to Alex Coffee of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Follow her on Twitter uh, at by Alex Coffee C O F F E Y. One of the great joys of spring training is you get to watch the old guys trying to come back for one more year, and you get to watch the young phenoms try to make it. And the big story even before spring training began was Andrew Painter, uh, nineteen years old, one of the top five, ten, fifteen prospects in baseball. And I was really shocked when Dave Dombrowski said, oh, yeah, he could make this team at the start of the year. It just seemed I, like I don't know that that's helping him. But 
I know he threw the other day. I think you wrote about you know the the him throwing to the vets and what they thought. What's the sense right now on this kid for April and for the future? Yeah, I mean they def- they haven't come out and said he's definitely making the team out of spring training, but right now he isn't giving them a reason to not <laughs> not do that. Obviously, there's time left in spring training. We have a couple more weeks, and you know a lot of things could play out. But um, but the general consensus among the people that have, the hitters that have faced him, guys like Kyle Schwarber and Brandon Marsh, is just that it's really easy to forget that he's 19 because he's so poised and mature and. Um, you know, kind of unflappable, for lack of a better word. So so there's definitely the maturity aspect. Um, and then from a pitching aspect, he's add, added a fifth pitch to his arsenal. So now he's not throwing four pitches, but five pitches. He touched 99 or 100 miles an hour the other day against Schwarber. Um, so doing doing all sorts of crazy things that 19-year-olds should not be doing. Um, but But there's definitely a lot of optimism and hype about him here. Alex, we had a call early in the show asking about Bryce Harper, and... After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a term that's being used with Harper in his rehab that I had never heard before, which is dry swinging, which is, as Glenn pointed Mm -hmm. out, sounds vaguely (laughs) naughty. But um, where are things with Harper and... I guess what's the team's kind of attitude about the fact that he probably won't be back until the All-Star break? Do they look at this as, hey, we're this good and we're going to get our number one guy back midway through the season? Are they saying, hey, we got to hold the fort? Kind of just the vibe yeah. about Harper and, and where things stand with him. Yeah. Um, well, just to clear the air on that one, dry swing, I, I actually didn't know what it meant either. So I asked Thompson a couple months ago last season, and he said that just not making contact with the baseball so what it sounds like you know just taking swings um like not off a tee or anything like that um but um right now you know they they don't want to put a timeline on him because he tends based off of like previous injuries he tends to be a pretty quick healer um him taking dry swings right now means that he's actually a little bit ahead of schedule and where he's supposed to be in his rehab so there's definitely optimism about that but um but as far as like when he might come back, there isn't there isn't like a concrete date or a concrete uh, even like time frame. I would say right now, um, it seems like All Star Break might be a more conservative estimate, but but we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, they don't they don't seem like terribly you know they don't seem terribly concerned about how they're going to cobble together offense in his absence. Obviously, he's uh, he's a big part of this offense, but. They also have a track record of making it work 
without like they they know how to do this. They've done this before, and that's what they keep reiterating. So, well, they, they yeah, I mean I they won they won all those games last year when he wasn't there. It's certainly not the preferred strategy, but it did work. So while he is out, who if if we have Castellanos and Schwarber in left and right field, which by the way, Brandon Marsh. He's going to have to be great mm-hmm. in he's center gonna, field. He's going to have to be on his Cover course, a lot of as ground. they say. Uh, are they looking at <laughs> Hall for DH against righties? Who against lefties? How do you see it playing out for now? They've said that they're going to rotate through that spot, um, and that means you know rotating through the outfield spots. Like sometimes Castellanos might hit there, or Schwarber, or Hoskins. Maybe you move um, Boehm from third to first, so Hoskins can DH. Um, I think Hall is in the mix, too, but... Some of that is contingent on his defensive versatility and also if he evens out his right-left splits because right now they're pretty uneven. So he's been working on that. He's actually been taking reps in the outfield um, with Coach Paco Figueroa, which some some fans are surprised to hear about given his mm-hmm. his build. But he's been hustling out there trying to to learn some stuff. So. Uh, so yeah, there there are a couple of options, but there's no there's not going to be like one set DH. Basically, they're going to rotate through a couple of guys. Alex, I know there's been discussion, and it's likely that the they're going to use a six man rotation this year. How great a concern, if at all, is the idea of making sure that Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler uh, are rested and are recovered from a very long season last season and and able to go as deep and far as this team is going to need them to go. Yeah, um, it's definitely something that's, you know, it's definitely something that they're they're paying attention to and giving thought to. But I wouldn't say it's much of a concern right now, just based off of how Wheeler has looked early and his how Wheeler and Nola have both looked early in their live bullpens. Um, Thompson has gone out of his way a few times to just highlight how strong they look at this point in the season compared to previous seasons. So. Um, so I wouldn't say that there's concern right now, but obviously, you know, they they pitched deeper into last year, like further than they have before. So it's definitely in the back of everyone's mind. Alex Coffey is our guest. I, and I appreciate Alex because uh, at least when it comes to music, Alex is a good old soul. I, Alex, the fact that I tweeted something about Warren Zevon a couple months ago and you chimed in, <laughs> you don't know. My respect for you, and I had a lot of respect for you, it's like doubled. Like how how in the world do you know Warren Zevon, by the way? Uh I think I I'm trying to remember. I think I I feel like he's every musician's favorite musician, you know? Like yes, that is that I like to listen to from like the seventies, like Jackson Brown and Okay, yeah. um, I'm a big Bruce fan too. Like a, there we go. Now, I, now you're talking. I, you're the, I, so, I, again. My admiration for you continues to grow. Alex's um, nickname <laughs> in in on the Phillies beat, by the way, is mm. Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner. There you so. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're talking about spring training stories, and one of the other ones this year is it is the final year of the six-year, twenty-four million dollar Scott Kingry fiasco. And maybe, just maybe, there's a reclamation project there. Um, What have you seen? What's the storyline with that? Yeah, so I'm going to preface this by saying take it all with a grain of salt. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there have definitely been spring trainings in the past where stuff has been written about Scott Kingery that does not play out the way. Five in a row. (laughs) I'm I'm not making any promises here, but... 
he has hit two home runs in spring training so far, uh, including one off of Aaron Nola the other day that went all the way to Frenchie's, like the Tiki Bar in left field. Um, <laughs> and I talked to him and Kevin Long about some adjustments that they worked on during the offseason. And basically what Kingery told me was that this past offseason was the first full healthy offseason that he's had in years. Um, and that he felt like he really had time to do the work that he wanted to do. And they ended up working on his stance and having him get a little bit more in his legs, almost like he's crouching down to field a ground ball. So, um, so his long is calling it a completely different swing. And he thinks that that's going to be a game changer for him. So, um, so obviously we'll see, wait and see, but, uh, but they're both very optimistic and they think that those two home runs are <laughs> a product of the work that they've been doing for weeks over the course of the off season. So, We'll see. That's a, I just want to say one thing before you, you say I That's mm-hmm. a guy who years ago had this great spring, mm-hmm. and I feel like they, they felt the need. I, I almost felt they rushed him up for the fans, yeah. for the PR of it, and but, never worked out. Yeah, but there was nobody in that organization at that time right. who didn't think that he was going to be a terrific player. Sure. I remember talking to Larry Boa about him, and Boa just raved yeah. uh, about the player he thought Kingry was then and would be, and it just— it hasn't worked out for his sake. I hope, uh, you know, Alex's cautious optimism there is, uh, uh, turns out to be true. Um, listen, Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us. Oh, I got, I one got one more, question oh, before Glenn's we go. Got one more. So Sorry. today yeah. is, is yeah. kind of the, if you, you're going to, you're going to watch the game in uh, Clearwater. Is that what you're going to do today? Yep. yep. Okay. So it's going to be the first time you're going to get to see what's happening with the new rules. I know they've played a couple of games so far, and it's like pitch clock and so on. Just kind of your take on what you anticipate in spring training and moving forward with with all the new rules. Chaos. Yeah, I mean, I think an, in- an interesting aspect is how the pitch clock will impact the hitters. Um, Thompson was talking yesterday about how he's been hearing how hitters might be impacted by it more than pitchers. Um, and, you know, Harper is one of those guys that takes time. He has a routine in the box, um, you know, so he's going to have to adjust when he comes back to these new regulations, and it's going to be something that they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to figure out is, like, how to get him used to these new rules so that when he does return to the big leagues, it's not, you know, he doesn't have this grace period of spring training where he can he can be in the box and get used to it and develop a new routine. Um, you know, he's just one example, but, but it is interesting to think about it on the flip side and how the hitters might be impacted by it. Um, Should and be fun. Yeah, yeah boy, if, if Bryce Harper doesn't hit because he can't get into his routine, I wonder how quickly Major League Baseball will change the rules back. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> you know, yeah, you could take 10 minutes between pitches as long as uh, you hit a home run at the end of the at-bat. Alex, thank you so much for taking the time. We are very appreciative, very grateful, and very glad that you stayed unscathed throughout this interview. Please go put on protective gear and get out of the way to foul balls and keep keep delivering us uh, some terrific Phillies coverage. Thanks so much. Sounds good. Thank Thanks, you Alex. All right. Um, good hope, stuff. She's I, very good. She's, she is, and I hope she's safe because I, I don't want to see her get brained by a foul ball. <laughs> No, she does a very nice job on the beat. Uh, again, follow her on Twitter at Alex Coffee. Coffee. Let's get one call in before the break. Let's go to Jonathan, who is in Glenn's favorite city, Dallas, and he wants to talk about baseball and the younger generation. He's got a really good one-day wonder. Go ahead, Jonathan. Hey, guys. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Happy weekend to you. Thank you. Um, so that the a couple things happened. The Mike Tyson-Buster Douglas fight, 
that's an awesome one day thing. But hardly anybody saw it. By the um, way, by the way, just let me say this. More people saw it than you think because and I want to thank my accountant who who texted <laughs> during the break. Nice segue. Who, by the way, yeah, Rob, I'll I'll begin my taxes soon, I promise. I'll get the stuff to you soon. Haven't started. You started? Oh yeah. Okay. My wife is on that. Yeah. No, like, I gotta get like, on it. Anyway. Oh, she's so sharp. He he texted me during the break that in fact that was on HBO. Mm-hmm. That wasn't pay per view. So I think okay. more people saw it than you think. But but go ahead, Jonathan. Your point yeah, is taken. Back then, uh, back then, a lot of people didn't have HBO. I know I heard about it the next day. I said, he lost the who? Because, yeah. you know, Tyson was just going through guys at that time, and, and he yeah. was having his fight over in Japan, blah, blah, blah. But uh, McClung had a great moment in front of the world. Yes. Everybody was watching the All-Star game. And here's another guy that did. Timmy Smith of the Washington Redskins ran for 204 yards in the Super Bowl against the Broncos. He absolutely destroyed them, won Super Bowl MVP. Mm-hmm. Never well, done, he he never did anything after that. You're right. Jonathan, thank you so much for the call. That's a great one. He did not win Super Bowl MVP, though, because that Super Bowl was the one that Doug Williams right. threw five touchdown passes. And let me just say, if you're going to call uh, with something, we're looking for the best one-day wonder. Make your sports point first. Yes, please. We don't just want people calling up to win the contest. As good as a $25 gift card to Conchock and Brewing Company is, <laughs> and trust me, it is, make your sports point first. That's that's more important. The, uh, the best Pilsner I've ever had, Glenn. I think I've told I you that. I ring the bell, baby. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so anyway, coming up uh, in the next segment, we're going to be doing what we're watching. Uh, Glenn and I have finally found a show that we have both seen. Yes. Usually we end up talking about... Different things on this segment, but uh, we finally seen the same show and uh, can compare notes, and I think our opinions are going to differ a bit. And, of course, we'll get in later to more Eagles stuff, more Sixers stuff. I have a rant coming on the Flyers. Can't uh, wait. Glenn has a rant about me being ageist. All kinds of good stuff. 215-592-9494. He's Glenn Mack now. I'm Mike Sealski, 94 WIP. All right. What we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big winter sale through February. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. So, finally, (laughs) I broke down and subscribed to Hulu, as you've been telling me to do for months now. Get the free subscription for a couple of months. Yep. And I also broke down. And started watching a show that you had mentioned you had seen a couple of months ago, and then I'm finally getting around to. It's been out for about six months, and it's called Fleischman is in Trouble, and it's based on a best-selling novel uh, by a writer named Taffy Brodesser-Ackner, and she's a magazine writer, and and she had this foray into writing novels, and the, the novels become a blockbuster, and the show, she's in charge of the entire show, and it is about a guy who's in his early 40s named Toby Fleischman, who was recently divorced and he's out there in the dating world, and he's dealing with dating apps and and kind of trying to figure out how to live life in New York in the aftermath of a divorce. And his wife is a very successful talent agent, and his kids are at an age where they can be difficult, and they're growing up, and his daughter's on the cusp of becoming 12 years old, which is a challenging time, and his younger son is... Uh, eight years old and a little offbeat and trying to figure out who he is, and he's got these friends who are trying to live their lives. And I have to be honest, Glenn, I'm not selling the show really well, as you know, because you've seen it. Yep. Um, I'm five episodes in, and I love it. And 
I think part of it is because it's it's tied to my generation. All the characters are people who would be my age, uh, who lived in are living in New York. I lived in New York um, from a certain socioeconomic background, and they're kind of whiny, but I kind of understand kind why of. they're whiny and all bit. of that. Um, so, as I said, I'm only five episodes in. But I'm really liking it from what I have heard, and I think you mentioned this to me. There's a big twist coming. Oh yeah, that I haven't seen yet. I've got three more episodes to go. It's one season, eight episodes. As I said, based entirely on this novel. I turn the floor over to you to tell me why I should not like the show as much as well, I like it. Well, I, your wife read the novel, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, so she kind of knows what's coming. I assume she hasn't told you. She yet. has not. Okay. Um, so. It is, first of all, the acting in the show is terrific. It and is. the cast of the show, which is Jesse Eisenberg, who people know originally from Social Network, yes. and he's done other things. Claire Danes, who is a very accomplished, terrific mm-hmm. actress, who you don't see a whole lot in the first five, six episodes. Aha, plot twist coming. Okay. I'll just tell you that. All right. And Lizzie Kaplan, who yes. is also a very fine actress. Um, so it's really got acting chops. It does. I'll give it that. It's set in New York. You get to see a lot of New York and the suburb Westchester. It makes the city look beautiful. Makes the city look great, and so all of that is very good. It it was a very weird show for me because I thought it started out as like a show about a guy who was getting divorced and then dating every single, having sex with basically every (laughs) single woman in New York, which you get to see him having sex with every single. I should have mentioned that at the top. It's a pretty raunchy show. There's a lot of nudity in that show, Mm -hmm. so that's you know that's all fine and well. That's great. my, I like the show, so I'm going to bottom line give it a B, a gentleman's mm-hmm. B. Okay. Um, and I will just tell you that what's coming in episodes seven and eight, right? You've seen through six? I've seen through five. Okay. Well, what's coming in episodes seven and eight, it's like, oh, I thought it was a show about this. Actually, it changes several times. First, you think it's a show about that. Mm-hmm. Then you think it's a show about kind of the machinations of friendships and becoming middle-aged in your 40s and- Living in New York and all of that kind of stuff. And then in the very last two episodes, it's like, oh, it's a show about that. Mm-hmm. That in itself is kind of cool mm-hmm. because the show evolves and I enjoyed that. My only issue with this is so I praise the acting. You did. Right? I praise the, the like the production in New York and mm-hmm. so on. Uh, and I praise the way the, the plot arc moves. Jeez, would you just all stop whining for a second? <laughs> My issue with the show is it's a lot of very, very wealthy 40-year-olds whining for an hour a time on my TV. Mm-hmm. And, like, life ain't that bad. This is what I hated about Rent. Everybody loved to play Rent. Yes. To me, it's like, just shut up, stop whining, go get a job. <laughs> it was not a popular opinion when I screamed that out in the audience of a theater, okay? <laughs> the general consensus around me disagreed. I, I'm stunned. So I had kind of that feeling on this of like, life's not that bad, guys. Mm-hmm. You've got a $300,000 job and you're carping about making ends meet. For most people watching the show, you've got pretty good lives. Yeah, and, and I get that part of it. I think the fact that I'm in the sweet spot demographic. Yeah, you're of that age. Of that age. And you're a whiner. So, well, that you know. too, you know. Stop talking over me, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I give it three stars out of four with the possibility to either add a half a star or a star as I watch the final three episodes or, you know, drop one off uh, if I think the plot twist that you've built me up for now 
uh, turns out to be empty and ridiculous. And it's not empty and ridiculous. It's actually kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so I I give it. I mean, I usually go uh, letter grades. I mm-hmm. give it a B, but I wouldn't disagree with three stars out of four, saying that it could be four if they did a few things better. But yeah. there you go. By the way, if you're getting Hulu, mm-hmm. while you're getting Hulu, you know you may not keep it long. Right. The three shows to absolutely watch on Hulu because. You know, people say to me, like, I can't subscribe to all these yes. things that you do, and including my wife who says, why are we <laughs> subscribing to eight streaming services? I pay the bills. Right. Do you know what we're paying? <laughs> She's right. But Glenn, while you're getting it. Glenn, don't, don't whine. Don't be whining. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not. While you're getting it, make sure that you watch The Bear. Okay. Only Murders in the Building. Actually, four. Reservation Dogs and What We Do in the Shadows. Okay. Which are four excellent series and you watch all those, and it's like, hey, Hulu, nice to have known you. The Bear is one that I've wanted to see. Tremendous. I've heard, I've heard nothing but great one things about it. One of my favorite it. shows of last and year. And Only Murders in the Building has Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yes, correct? love it. So, so I'm in. I'm Do you know I got tickets to see them play come to Philadelphia next October? Great. I bought them in December for my wife's birthday this year, but we're going next October. I thought like I would be the first to buy them, and there's multiple performances. I'm sitting in the Kimmel Center behind a post. Oh no, that's the best oh. I can get. Well, all right, so I'll I'll one up you there. Last Sunday, uh, my family, and by my family I mean my wife, my two sons, my sister, her husband, their two kids, and my mother and father, went to Broadhurst Theater on Broadway and mm-hmm. saw a beautiful noise, the Neil oh, Diamond. Yeah, music. sweet. Yeah, and it was it was terrific. It really was, and. Um, it was interesting because we saw a 2 o'clock matinee on Sunday, and I think my wife and I, my sister and her husband, and the four kids between us were the eight youngest people in the theater. Yeah, well, Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, but liked it? Loved it. Yeah, yeah. There you even, go. even my kids loved it. People so. who go to theater tend to be older because theater is damned expensive. Yes, yeah. Well, this was something... The entire family had been kind sure. of saving up for for a while. Anyway, enough about Neil Diamond. Let's get a couple of calls here. Rory wants to talk about the Sixers. Rory, what do you got? I was at the game the other night. How how are you, fellas? Good. I was at the Memphis game, and it was a lot of fun when they pulled it out in the fourth quarter. They The Sixers have put a good entertaining product on the court for five years now. And I think they can steal a title and like a one-off deal. If Boston gets knocked out, maybe Milwaukee has an injury, they can make it to the finals and maybe make a noise. But this is not a dynasty, you know, at all. They are built for the right now. No, I think you're 100% right about that, Rory. I mean, the way the contracts are set up, uh, the way patience, as much hope as there is about the Sixers, the fact that, you know, their fans do feel like, hey, but we've been waiting for this team to deliver for a while, and uh, patience is probably short. particularly with Doc Rivers. I know it is with my partner here <laughs> when it comes to Doc. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. This isn't, you know, don't bank on any kind of extended run here. This is, they better do it now or else changes are coming. You have a really good one-day wonder, Rory. Hit us with it. Okay, it's, this goes back. This is too early for you, Mike, but Glenn might remember it. February 77, the Flyers had a forward named Al Hill. First game in the NHL, two goals, three assists. Hardly did anything after that. Yeah. I don't even know if he made the season. That yeah. that's might, might not be as good as Buster Douglas. It's but pretty I good though. It, it's it, old school and it's pretty good. It's old school. It's pretty good. And not only have I heard of Al Hill, yeah. Glenn, and yeah. you can verify this, 
I have his Wikipedia page up here. He was the first guy I thought of when you suggested that we do a one day yeah, wonder. How did you know Al Hill? I know all you I see all. What year were you born? 1975. Okay. And he did that in 1977. So your dad has you in front of the TV going, well, this kid's going to go to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> young Mike. Watch I, this. When you cover a team in Philadelphia, you have to know the history. You just have True. to. True that. You know. Uh, Mark in Cherry Hill wants to weigh in on Joel Embiid, and he's also got a pretty good one-day wonder. Go ahead, Mark. What What about Joel? Well, I think Joel Embiid is uh, – vastly underappreciated in this city. I mean, I realize they haven't won a championship, but people forget that he played last year with a fractured face. And, you know, I blame James Harden more than anybody else. He came up short. I don't know if it was because of his hamstring or whatever, but Joel Embiid is a treasure. And I just think that we need to appreciate this guy. This is an interesting – you raise an interesting point. Is Joel Embiid underappreciated, or some would say Joel Embiid is overappreciated because he's never done anything in the playoffs? I think he's correctly appreciated. Yeah, I think people have his career and his ability and his track record kind of in the right perspective for the most part. Is he great? Yeah. Is there more he probably needs to do? Yeah. Mark, I would say one of these years, and hopefully it's 2023, He's got to have that great playoff run, right? Oh, I agree. But I think I think the thing that bothers me is, like, for example, you have one commentator on your station. I won't mention his name. Yeah, but, constantly- I, but, but I know who you're talking about. But, but listen, everybody's got their own opinion. You're talking about the vast majority of the of fans, right? Do you think the basketball fans, and I'll put in the, the, the writers, the broadcasters overall, as a group, do you think they underappreciate Joel Embiid? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I think I, I tell you something else. They, people try to read minds. Like the Lander was saying, he was sulking because he didn't get the MVP. I didn't see that. I saw him trying to bust his behind to, to get wins. And I think um, I just think he's not appreciated. And I do think he should have been the MVP last year. I'm being honest with you. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there, Mark. Who's your uh, one day wonder? Leon Spinks. That's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I, That's a pretty saw, good one. I saw that fight when I was hung over in, in, in the Air Force Station in Wilson, Mississippi, and I cried yeah. after that fight. <laughs> yeah, I, well, um, that's a story for another day, Mark. Thanks for the call. As, as you know, and I've said, I worked in Detroit before I worked yeah. here, and Leon Spinks was from Detroit, and or at least ended up in Detroit. And I know he's from Detroit. And there was, I had to do a story soon before I came here. Like he just, he was down and out. Yeah. You know what I mean? He did not. He didn't keep the money. He didn't know how to do it. He was. He had domestic issues. He, he was a. He was a really sweet guy. He was mm-hmm. a very nice guy, but he was not. He was not built for fame. Right. And right. It was, it was a sad story. You see that a lot in in boxing. I think it's part of the reason that the sport has kind of been in decline. It yeah. has declined. Mm-hmm. You know, since the days of Ali and Frazier and all of that. So, anyway, um, coming up later in the show, we're gonna. Dive more into the Sixers, dive more into the Flyers and the Phillies, all kinds of stuff. Glenn, I think you have some information for our fans here. I do. If this cold winter we've endured hasn't it hasn't been cold, but it is still winter, and it may still be here. But if you're thinking about replacing your drafty, inefficient windows and doors, the great people at Guided Door and Window, they can help. They'll give you one more month to do so at their best prices of the year. Now, maybe you haven't taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale this is your last chance to do so. You receive 40% off every window and door. That's right, 40% off 
of each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass, and you get 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with guidance, interest-free financing, or low monthly payment plans. Offer is going to expire at the end of February. Don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let's get Steve from Norristown up here. He wants to talk about the Phillies and also has a good one-day wonder here. Go ahead, Steve. What's your thoughts on the Phils? Hey, guys. Um, honestly, I see this report where they're talking like Vegas is talking like 87 wins with the Phillies and saying that, like, you know, they're not even like a top-10 team to compete for the World Series. And it's it's just questionable to me because of the fact that, honestly, I think this team is better now than it was last year. And I understand that Harper's going to be out for the first half of the season. I get that. But, you know, Trey Turner's pretty good the last time I looked. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And and you wouldn't think that Nick Castellanos, you know, in a perfect world would have a a repeat of the season he had last year. So this is really odd, Steve. And I saw a – I I think the number's gone up to whatever, 88.5, 89.5, but still not up a lot. Jason Stark of The Athletic did a survey of major league executives, and they named the Phillies the most improved team in the National League. So it doesn't all fit. Yeah, I just um, – I, I mean, I, I'm excited about uh, Tiguan Walker. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, um, Glenn, I kind of agree with you with Painter, and I know it's not a popular opinion, but just because how his arm isn't stretched out um, – what I was thinking and what I really wanted is with we saw in the World Series how Wheeler and Nola were starting to break down. If you were to be able to have like Bailey Falter as your five mm-hmm. and maybe yeah. Peter as a six, have like a six man rotation, yeah. maybe yeah. your arms will will make it a little bit longer. And I mean I'm really excited about the bullpen, the bullpen piece. Yeah, they've made a lot yeah. of moves. Yeah, I'm, and I'm up great. like you are. I'm sorry, man. No, I was just gonna say they're they're gonna go with a six man rotation either for part of or all of the season. And, and you know, Steve, thanks very much for the call. Actually before I let you go, Steve, who's your uh, one day wonder? So my one day wonder was this happened three years ago. Um most people don't know his name, but the guy's name is Dave Ayers. He was the 42-year-old Zamboni driver that ah, came ah. and played goaltender That's right. for, for the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a great one. And he, and he ended up playing like more than half the game, and they won that game. That was when two of the goal, both goaltenders got hurt. It was in Toronto. The guy yeah. lives in Toronto. He drives a Zamboni, and he came in, and he was able to be and – he, and he got the W – that's so right. It was legitimately a one-day wonder because the guy never played. That that's a great one, uh, Steve. Th- thank you for the call. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one too. Um, you know, it's I, will it top Buster Douglas? We're gonna have to decide that by the end of the show. Um, it is time now to check in with our friends, the Cooper Doc, 
Dr. Mark Pollard uh, is here with us. Dr. Pollard, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Hope you guys are doing well. We're doing fine. So we had a couple of quick questions about Eagles players uh, who have gone under the knife, as it were, uh, in the last week or two. The first is Lane Johnson, who famously you know, played through this torn groin uh, in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. He had surgery last week. Just as a general matter, kind of what's the timeline uh, on a, a surgery of this nature? You know, will he be ready for training camp? Will he be ready even sooner than that? Once he's back, kind of what kind of shape will he be in? Uh, just the idea of Lane going through this groin surgery. Well, it's fairly variable, you know, with these kind of so-called core muscle injuries and uh, the recovery from the surgery, you know, kind of depending on how severe it is. Um, you know, certainly we've had examples of guys that have gotten back, you know, six weeks or something like that. And other times, you know, it takes multiple months. So, uh, um, you know, difficult to prognosticate, but, you know, if if you were to uh, really press me for it, I'd say probably, you know, six to eight weeks would probably not be unreasonable. So he's got loads of time to recover. Is it an, an injury that once you sustain it, you're susceptible to getting it again, or is it just kind of more of a freakish one-time problem? Um, again, there's multiple areas in the with these core muscles that can get hurt. And so, you know, the, the hope is that, uh, you know, with this specific area that got hurt, you do the surgery um, and, you know, the healing takes place. And, you know, oftentimes with things like this, the, the healed tissue may actually be more stout than the, the natural tissue was. Uh, and so you'd, you'd theoretically be less likely to injure that area, uh, but you, it would still be possible to injure another area. Gotcha. And the other player who was important to the Eagles all season um, came back and, and ended up playing through an injury similarly to the way that Lane did was Avante Maddox, the cornerback. And, of course, no event in anyone's life can take place without it being posted on social media. And Avante posted the other day that he had had surgery on his left foot. Uh, he had had turf toe. What's the timeline like with this? What kind of recovery is ahead for Avante? Again, is this something that's going to linger, or is it, you know, after a certain period of time, he's back to normal? Um, yeah, it it takes a little bit longer I think for the uh, turf toe recovery than say the core injury with the core muscle injury, you're, you know, essentially just waiting for the muscle to heal back to bone as opposed to the turf toe, which essentially is caused by a, you know, hyper extending or having your big toe brought up uh, uh, too far and injuring the ligaments on the bottom. So it's more of like a, a ligament kind of stabilization surgery. And those do take a bit longer uh, to recover. Um, Center, our Cooper doctor. Thank you so much for the insight. As always, have a good Saturday. All right, thanks. You guys, thank you, Doc. Be well. All right, Doctor Pollard. There. Let's get uh, one more call in before the break. Jeff wants to talk about the Phillies, and he has from my childhood an excellent one-day wonder. Jeff, what's your what are your thoughts on the Phillies? First, Mike and Glenn, how you guys doing? All right, doing great. Okay, so um, I'm really excited for this Philly season. Um, I think they've pretty much added everywhere they needed to um, based on what they were needing last year. Here's my question. And it, I just thought of this recently. What do you think is going to have a bigger impact? The addition of Trey Turner 
or the combination of uh, getting Walker and then having Painter come up in a six-man rotation over the course of the season. Because the pitching really was not deep last year at all. Yeah, you know, I think Turner will have a greater impact only because it's he's going to be there every single day, number one. Okay. And number two. That's why I combined the other two. Yeah. <laughs> and number two, he's really good. Yeah. You added one of the 15 best players in baseball. Yeah. I think they just did the yeah. MLB Network yeah. countdown, and that's anybody. I think he was number 11. Yep. Uh, you added yeah. a guy who can play defense, who is one of the fastest runners in baseball, who can yeah. hit for average, who can hit for power, who takes a walk, who's a good guy in the clubhouse. I mean, this it's not quite the impact of the Harper signing a few years ago, but, boy, it's right. it's it's up I, there. I think they're deeper in pitching. Um, I've seen yes, people think Taiwan Walker will not succeed here. I'm not sure why they think that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take an every, as Mike said, an everyday I, player who's a terrific player at shortstop. Yeah. I just – I just hate the bullpen game, and I hate it especially when we were in a playoff run. That drove me nuts to have to have bullpen games. They're going to do it again. Yeah. Have enough starters. Yeah. I, know. It's, I know. It's the way of the world now. So, yep. all right, Jeff, okay. th- you're speaking to my heart here with your one-day wonder. Hit me with it. Okay, this was a guy who hit 40% of his career home runs in one day <laughs> and one from each side of the plate. How about that Steve Delt? That, that, you know – that is a great one, um, and Jeff, thank you so much for the call. Glenn, I remember watching Phillies games as a kid, 13, 14-year-old kid on Prism, and I remember watching that game, the, te- the game where the Pittsburgh Pirates took a 10 nothing lead early on. Jim Rooker, their play-by-play guy, said, if we lose this game, I'll walk back to Pittsburgh. And the reason the Phillies ended up coming back and winning that game was because Steve Jeltz hit two home runs, one from each side of the plate. And Steve Jeltz was not Trey Turner. Let's put it that way. Wait, you, it was before you were with We had Steve Jeltz on the anniversary of that game when we were doing This Day in Philadelphia Sports really? History. Because oh, it man. was one of the most amazing games, as you say, for all of those things. And Jim Rooker yes. did end up, not that day, but he ended up doing a charity thing yep. where he walked from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh, raised a lot of money. Uh, and we had Steve Jeltz on to talk about it. He was great. He was a really fun interview, and he kind of got himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't he he realized he was Steve Jeltz. And just uh, as a footnote, uh, along with uh, the great Tyler Kepner, who yes. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I am a lifetime member of the Steve Jeltz fan club, original, going back to 1990. Why? Because it seemed like a fun thing to do at the time. <laughs> You have some explaining to do for some of your decisions in the yeah, early they, 90s. Well, there. you know, they formed the Steve Jeltz fan club, and uh, it's like, yeah, sure, I'm in. Why not? I think dues were uh, a buck and a half. Buck and a half. <laughs> Steve Jeltz is one of those names that just torments Phillies fans of a certain generation. You know, he's not quite Von Hayes, but, you know, he's he's way up there in the memory banks of those of us who, who lived and mostly died with those teams in the late 80s and, and early so he 90s. Had, he, he hit five home the, the caller said 40% of his home runs, so that would make him, I can do math, five home runs in his career. Yeah. Two that day, and one from the left side, one from the right side. Correct. Correct. It is a great. It's amazing. A pretty good one. I, I can still hear. I like the local angle. I, I think Gary Maddox was the color analyst on Prism. I can still hear. remember hearing him say, boom, when Steve Jeltz hit the second home run, <laughs> which is the only time boom and Steve Jeltz have been used in the same sentence. And am I correct that became problematic after that because Steve Jeltz briefly thought he was a power hitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that, that's, swinging for the fences. Those, those, those are the Phillies of the late 1980s. Swinging that 31-ounce bat for the fences. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Keith Pompey, my colleague with the Inquirer, is going to talk to us about the Sixers. Nick, Rob, Paul, hang in there. We will get your calls. He is Glenn Mack now. I am Mike Sealski. You can call in at 215-592-9494 into WI. Well, that was pretty good action from Thursday night, NBA on uh, TNT. I end up saying I can't believe what I'm seeing every time I encounter the man we're about to bring on our show here. <laughs> that is Keith Pompey, covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Follow him on Twitter, at uh, Pompey on Sixers. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't believe what I'm seeing every time I see Mike Silsky. There you go. <laughs> All, right. All right. Enough log rolling here, fellas. Let's get to it. Okay. Um, I saw Joel Embiid quoted uh, by you saying, uh, we're not worried about Boston Milwaukee. We're worried about ourselves. We can get better every single night. We can take the experience that we had. This is Thursday beating the Grizzlies and try to be better. That's all fine and well, but tonight they play Boston. They have not had success against Boston. Lost the last one. Last time they played here, they just got crushed last year. Um, should they be worried about Boston? Or I don't mean to put it that way. The way Embiid puts it, uh, should well, I guess I will just put it that way. Should they be more concerned about Boston and how they have fared against the Celtics? I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I think that this is a huge barometer game. I mean. I mean, when we look at it, I mean, you can say, yes, the Sixers won five in a row, 14 of their last 17, uh, you know, their third in the East. But, I mean, the Celtics have been, not only is that their rival, but it's been their biggest roadblock to success. And and I think that, you know, right now we're all trying to figure out how good this 76ers team is. Yes, they did this, but, but, but. And, and, and I think that right now, you know, you, you have to worry about Boston because, that's the one team that they can't beat. I mean, no matter who Boston has on the floor. So, you know, it's always great to say, like, hey, we got to focus on ourselves. We can't we can't worry about another team. You know, a lot of times to me, that's when you're giving yourself an out just in case you lose to that team <laughs> and you have to answer those questions. So, yeah, this is a big game for the 76ers, bigger than one would think, like one out of 82, just because of, how Boston has, you know, ruled them and had success over them. So, Keith, one of the things that Glenn and I have kind of been batting around during the show was the question of whether it's fair to be skeptical and cynical about the Sixers because they've come up short year after year after year, can't get past the second round of the playoffs, or because it's a slightly different team with some slightly different elements uh, that maybe this is the year to break through and you're you're right to kind of be optimistic. You're, you're around – this team and have been around this team as much as anybody does this feel look any different than it did last year or the year that they got bounced by Atlanta in the second round um kind of what's your perspective on this group as it is and whether it can get past the second round and get to where people think it ought to have been you know I mean that's a great question I I I honestly think that it's the same it feels the same and and the reason being is yes I get it um there's a different cast of co-stars with, with Joel Embiid, but that's what makes it the same. There's always been a different cast of co-stars. 
And they're always saying that this year is going to be different because of that. But, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, they, they're above 60, um, 600 winning percentage. You know, they're getting a lot of hype going into the playoffs. Everything is this and that. But at the end of the day, they keep losing in the second round. So until they can get out of the second round, it's the same. I mean, it's the same thing. Think about the excitement that people are feeling. Well, the people aren't feeling excitement now, but the excitement they felt the last couple of years is similar. So, you know what? I, I know people say, like, oh, this is different, but I think the 76ers fans are more like, you know, you, you fool me once, is on me. You fool me twice. Okay, I got played. The third time is like, nah, you got to show me something different. So, with that being said, it is the same. So who is it on to get them past that that roadblock that they can't? Is it more on Embiid? Is it more on Doc Rivers? Is this that James Harden's got to be the guy? You know, because I agree with everything you just said, and I approach the playoffs with, yeah, call me back when you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Because he's been here the longest, right? And, and he's, you know, the guy who's, you know, the MB, MVP candidate. But, you know, Doc Rivers is the coach. You know, he's the one that's going to have to make these adjustments. But I'm like, I honestly believe they're not going to be able to get out of the second round unless James Harden plays phenomenally. Now, we already know the thing about Joel, and, and I think he has to play great too. But I think the pressure is on James that he has to show us that the things that he's doing as far as being a facilitator and doing all that, he has to be able to continue to do that. So I think that if James Harden doesn't do that, and that's what he was brought here to do, the Sixers aren't going to go far at all in the playoffs. So I think it's a collective thing, and they all have you know different roles. But those three are the three main, main, main people who have to get it done. We're talking with uh, Keith Pompey from the Philadelphia Inquirer, Sixers beat reporter. Keith, one of the big issues the team has had, and, and I, we risk getting into the weeds a little bit here, but one of the big issues they've had in recent years is that come the playoffs, they can't take and beat off the floor because once they do, they don't have a good enough backup center and they can't score and their defense falls apart. Are they any better in that situation now? You know, Dwayne Dedman, uh, is, you know, has missed time. He's got this hip situation um are, are they any better in that position now or are we setting ourselves up for the same sort of problem come the playoffs that Embiid's got to play every minute of every game otherwise the other team's gonna blow the Sixers off the floor and you know what I, I thought they were in a better situation and if Dwayne Detman can you know if, if he can get back and get some minutes in there and if he can do the things that he that they need him to do yeah I, I think they are better off but my concern is, like, right now, you know, the Sixers are downplaying and making it seem like everything's cool. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he does have, you know, a hip problem, you know, like, is, is that going to be something that's going to, you know, basically uh, linger during the playoffs? And if so, you know, are they better off with him? You, you, you know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. like, to me, until he gets out there and then until, like, he's 100% healthy, I think that is going to continue to be a problem. I think that – you know, right now we look at Montrez Harrell as a guy who, yes, we know he can get buckets, but he struggles mightily defending at the rim, right? 
So right now the guy that you're having is, is Paul Reed, and can, can Paul Reed continue to play like he's played in the last couple games? So, you know, unless um, Dwayne Detman is healthy, you know, I, I think that's going to be a, a huge problem for, this, for the 76ers, especially in the postseason. I'm going to change the subject just for a moment. Uh, we're talking to Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Follow him on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers, P-O-M-P-E-Y. Uh, I will admit to a degree of schadenfreude uh, with uh, Ben Simmons' uh, troubles, uh, and now he is out of the rotation. I mean, it's fallen that far. All of the teammates have left. He is in New Jersey. In New Jersey, I still go there. He is in Brooklyn on a disaster of a franchise. Um is he Keith Pompey? Your prediction, your best prediction. Is he shot as a frontline NBA player, or do you see a return to star form down the road? Uh, that, um, you know what? It, 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 that's a tough one for me. Like I always felt like Ben Simmons had to uh, hit rock bottom before before he can become the player that everybody thought he could become, right? And I always felt like before, like, the foul shooting and all this other stuff, it was rock bottom. But it wasn't, right? So, to me, I think that he can make a comeback. I don't know if he'll ever be this elite player that everybody thought that he would be. But I do feel as if that he can be a a, a starter in this league. He can be, you know, a, a pretty good player. You know, but to me, it's like I always felt like there was always an excuse. It was like it was my teammates. It was the coaching. It was like, and what I mean by my mm-hmm. teammates, like they yep. never had enough. It wasn't my fault. We just didn't have any shooters. And I think that Jock Vaughn, unfortunately, I felt I like Brett Brown. I like Doc Rivers. But I always felt like they weren't 100% honest with the kid. And I feel like this is a time where Jock Vaughn, you got to give him credit where he's saying, look, dude, you're just not good enough. And and until you are good enough and you put in the work, um, we're not going to play you. So I think it's up to Ben Simmons. If, if he looks in the mirror and says, you know what, I got to work harder, I got to do everything that I can to prove this guy that I can play, then he'll be great. But if Ben Simmons will go out and be like, hey, is Jock fine, he hates me, and this and that, then no, he's not going to be that guy. But I'm 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 predicting – that Ben Simmons is going to put in the work now and try to show this coach that he can play. I'm putting more faith in him than probably a lot of people are to say that he'll come back and not be an all-star again, but be a serviceable um, starter in this league. Well, I, serviceable starter. It, wow. You know, that's, I don't think anybody saw that on his uh, rookie card. No, I miss him, to be honest. He was an easy column every couple of yes, days. and I'm sure, Great to I'm talk sure about. Keith does as well. <laughs> Keith, last one from me. <laughs> Let's say worst-case scenario plays out, okay? They somehow get bounced in the first round or don't get by the Celtics or Bucks or whoever they play in the second round. What's next at that point uh, in terms of the future of Doc Rivers, in terms of the future of James Harden, Joel Embiid, the the whole sense of the franchise itself? There does seem to be kind of an all-in feel, and if it doesn't happen, if they don't make a deep run, that major changes could very well be ahead. Yeah, I think if they don't make a deep run, I think Doc Rivers is going to be gone. I do. I also think that they got to um, – I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if James Harden was out too, right? You know what I mean? 
And then the thing about it is they got to take a long, hard look on what they want to do with the rest of the roster. You know, Joel Embiid is like the wild card because, you know, he could say, hey, look, yo, I've been here long enough. I love Philly, the fans here. But, you know, I want to go somewhere where I think I'm going to win. You know, he could say that, right? And and if, and if he does that, then, you know, they could be in trouble. But in regards, like, if they do go out in the first round, I honestly believe that, you know, Doc Rivers is done. You know, I, I, because when you look at it, it's like, you know, he's making a lot of money. He came here. He had a roster that Brett Brown did not have, and he couldn't get it done. And then, you know, you got James Harden. You know, he's going to want to get paid um, this year. And, and, and I feel like it's one of those things where they're looking at it like, well, you're getting older and all this and that, and, you know, maybe it's best if you do walk. And, and then Joel, like I said, Joel is going to say, well, like, you know, what are we doing here? That's so that's the nightmare. Yep. That's I just yeah. let me jump in because that that's yeah. it's the part of the NBA that I really dislike, right? Cuz you see it all the time, right? From the top mm-hmm. star, you see it from LeBron and from Kyrie and from Durant and so on and so forth. And if that happens with Joel Embiid, who these fans have invested their heart in since the Sixers drafted him as a project and went through those first years where he didn't even play and the rise in stardom and and what I've thought is a great relationship with this town. I mean, when he would stop and pick up basketball mm-hmm. games. If it comes to the day, Keith, where Joel Embiid says, you know what, I, I want out of here. I want to go play with these guys. It will break the city's heart. Yeah, it will. But then we'll also go back to when, I hate to say this, when they made the decision to not re-sign um, J.J. Redick and they traded Jimmy Butler. I mean, I felt yeah. like, yeah. you know, yes. that was yep. the best. That was, and you know. It had especially to keep the big fella happy because they were his guys. Yep. And, and you know, like, that was the best team they had. It was. In my opinion. Yeah, well, no, and, it and you're was. right. And his relationship, particularly with those two guys and Jimmy Butler, it would have been a whole different history if Jimmy Butler's here and Ben Simmons has gone earlier and so on. Keep Pompey, you're terrific. Hey, tonight, big night. Enjoy. Look forward to uh, reading you tomorrow the results of this one. Thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. All right, thanks, well. Keith. There you go. That's the uh, that is the hardest working man at the Philadelphia Inquirer, or one of them. Yeah. He. Uh, you're not. He, you're not taking that nomination. Oh no, Keith works a lot harder than I do. Yeah. The beat guys work hard. Oh, that's 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 the grind. The that's travel the grind. and the night games and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah those, it those. really is. It's it's interesting because uh, you know you, you mentioned Glenn about the bond that Embiid has with the city, and um, that's not something you see often in the NBA anymore. Um, you don't see bonds between teams and cities. The league is so much about its stars no matter where they play. and It's a unique relationship that Philadelphia has with the Sixers and Embiid. Maybe maybe Boston has with the Celtics, I suppose. But it's not very frequent in this league. And if that were to change because Embiid decided to leave, man, oh. it would be devastating. Yeah, which is, which is what happens in the NBA all the time. It's, it's my biggest gripe about the NBA, right? I mean, Kyrie Irving does a speech the other day about how this is good for the league, where yeah. players demand to move and so on. Well, it's not good in Brooklyn. Right. I mean, those fans who bought season tickets thinking they were going to see a fun contender. Mm-hmm. What do they got? They weren't even going when they yeah. had all those stars. Yeah, okay. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You're a fan of a team. You're a fan of the Sixers. We had a caller earlier say he thought Joel Embiid was underappreciated in this town, and I disagree. I think the fan base in this town really likes Embiid. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may have his critics in the media, but who doesn't? Right, right, right. That, that goes with the territory. Yeah. Um, and I'm not suggesting this is going to happen, except Keith raised the specter of it. If if the Sixers got knocked out early this year, 
And Embiid said, you know what, guys, I, I just, I'm kind of sick of this treadmill. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to happen here. I want to go, you know, take, take, put me somewhere out west where I can play with this guy and that guy. That would be that would rip the heart out of basketball fans in Philadelphia. Yeah, and and the Sixers rightly would take the brunt of it. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the feeling that right, you, you, screwed you, up. you you screwed up. You couldn't keep this guy here. You couldn't win anything of substance while he was here. Um, yeah, you don't want to. If you're a Sixers fan, you don't want to even contemplate that. Agreed. Uh, Nick in Collegeville is with us. Good afternoon, Nick. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Doing all right. Doing great. Guess, uh, listen, I I, I enjoyed the Pompeii. Uh, interview it until he he put up that Ben Simmons point like I have no like seriously he's he doesn't he doesn't care about I think game. he's done like, I, yeah I I don't think Ben yeah. Simmons is gonna find you know what I've hit rock bottom yeah. now I mean yeah I, I think Ben is uh gonna en- enjoy yeah, the I life think, and the money and never be good again yeah I said I thought he would be a one one you know all, one superstar contract and gone because he he never showed heart when it comes, I sorry, not hard. He never showed drive to to improve his game. I mean, never, never. But anyway, um, before I get to my Eagles Philly sports point, uh, Glenn, you watch CB Striker? Did you watch that British uh, crime drama? No. HBO. No. It's called CB Striker. He's a private detective with a female sidekick. Uh, give it a try. It's Nick, it's a broad church. Nick, you found oh. the one British. Yeah, crime show that Glenn hasn't yeah. seen. I, that's my genre. That's I know. That's, that's why I brought it up. I was looking for. I was. I was thinking of you when I was looking for a new crime British crime drama. But and it's HBO. Seen, HBO, yes, yes. Oh, it's I'm, a BBC product, but uh, you know, shown to HBO. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I'm, hold on, I'm writing yeah. it down. CB or CD? Yes. Yeah, no. C. C. Period. B. Period. As in boy. Got striker. it. In. Yeah. Okay. Great. You talk um, to Mike. I'm going to go write this down. <laughs> Mike, let him watch the first episode. Uh, Listen, I, I'm finally starting to get over the, the Eagles loss. I mean, okay. it's, it's tough. We've never been, you know, we've never been a favorite. No, were we favorites against uh, the Raiders, Plunkett? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I yes. Think they, they Eagles were, were four, and a, yeah. four and a half point yeah. favorites yeah. back then. Right. Well, I mean, I was a kid, and, 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 and guess what? We were never ahead in that game. We were always behind, yep. so I never had that confidence there. But so I'm finally getting over this Eagles thing, and uh, we know where the Flyers are. We don't have to bring that up. Sorry, Glenn and Mike. Uh, and the Sixers, we know, second round. Get me, get me to the second round, kids, and we'll talk about it. And, right. I'll, and I'll increase my viewership. So, I need the Phillies to be good and start early. Like I, I really need them to, because we went from, think about it, we went from World Series to Super Bowl, and now you're telling me I got to sit through 162 uh, before I, you know, the season can actually have value. Yeah, but here's the thing, Nick, and you know, thank you so much for the call. The ride matters still, Glenn. People want the nightly juice, I guess you'd say. You don't think so? Not you, as much. You don't? You don't? Not as much. I think around here they do. I think the seasons are so long. Um, you know, we got four teams in this town. Football's different. Football's an event, sure. right? You yeah. get 17 games yeah. a year post-playoffs. So let's leave football out of it. Between the Phillies, the Sixers, and the Flyers, if you, if you are a fan of all three teams, that's 324 games a year. Mm-hmm. Which means it's pretty much, you know, one a day, one a night, often more than that, forever and ever and ever and ever. And I think you can, people have lives. And it's like, you know what, mm. I'm taking off May and I'll see you in September. Um, and I think there is a lot of that. And I think in this town, with these teams, and particularly the Sixers right now, mm-hmm. it's like, I, I'll, what, I'm sorry, I'm going to contradict myself. 
The Sixers are exciting to watch. They're winning, so yeah. it's kind of a fun show. But with most people, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll pay attention. Mm-hmm. Second round of the playoffs. Call me then. Well, I thought that too, and I'm sure there are a number of people like that out there. But man, being there the other night, that was really startling to me to feel the energy in that building. And they're going to have a lot of games to close out the regular season that are relatively big games. They're going to be on national TV quite yep. a bit. Yep. Um, Good teams. You know, I, I wonder, it'll be, I'll be curious to see at the end of the regular season how the fan base feels then. Know then how good the Sixers were during the season, what their record was, are they playing with momentum, do have people's feelings about the team changed at all? Well, you noted that they lead the league in attendance. Yeah. And that, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, they're averaging over 20,000 a game, and that's a good building. And when it's full, it is exciting. The other night was John Morant comes to town, yep. right? One of the most exciting players in the league. The Sixers are down. They roar back. I mean, that was – how was the crowd in the first half, by the way? Uh, not great. Right. Not great. Right, which I'm not I'm not blaming them for. They didn't have anything. But no, then, But no. then when they had reason to cheer, they are great. Yep. So, yes, the, to the people who go, the people in the building, yes. I'm saying generally if you're a sports fan, you you there's so much and there's so many other things mm-hmm. to watch and so much other clutter and people have lives. I think for a lot of our teams it's like I'll believe it when it's good, which brings us to something that we're going to talk about in the next segment, Yes, which is the one team in town, <laughs> which is anything but good Yeah, and deserves our attention only – because if we don't do it, nobody's going to, and they deserve our wrath and criticism. And I'm going to put the ball on the tee and hand the driver to Mike Sealski. Okay. That's coming up. 215-592-9494. Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. Let me get one caller here. I think may uh, tee up an issue we want to discuss. Paul in Westchester, how are you, Paul? I'm good. How are you? All right. What's up on the flyers with you? Well, I just wanted to uh, uh, lament about how uh, one organization has turned this town from a four-sport town to a three-sport town. This team is unwatchable. I've watched the flyers since the early 70s. This team is so bad. Uh, they can't get out of their own end. I've never seen a team that spends most of their time in their own end playing defense. They're slow. They can't score. And every time I watch them, I say to myself, where well, there's three hours that I'm so upset that I'm never going to have. I've just wasted. Yeah, you know what, Paul? And, and Glenn had kind of, as he said, teed me up for this kind of rant. I'm... There was a time where I would have said all of that is irrelevant because what the Flyers need most is to be bad, get high draft picks, and start turning this thing around. But, Glenn, the more evidence presents itself, the more you have to question if, if there is any plan here at all. You know, you and I, were I think, we're talking before the show. You can think tanking is good. You can think tanking is bad. What you couldn't deny with the Sixers, I felt, was – you may not like this plan, but there's a plan here. Mm-hmm. What Sam Hankey wanted to do, there was thought behind it. There was logic behind it. There was, this is going to hopefully lead to us being better five, six years from now, and here's how we're going to get there. You don't get that sense at all with the Flyers in any regard. 
And this past week has been, to me, more evidence of it. Uh, you have John Tortorella calling out Joel Farabee, Travis Sanheim, who are supposed to be two of the young cornerstone players of the franchise. Two guys who you've, you paid years and money to over time. Didn't want to have an eight-year deal? Sanheim has an eight-year, $50 million contract. And Tortorella benched him for a game in Calgary, a game where Sanheim's going to play in front of his friends and family in basically his hometown. And it just strikes me that whatever plan they have, which is kind of this, we're going to set this culture with torts, and whoever survives torts will, you know, will be the kind of guy we'd want to have around. It doesn't solve the basic problem. Like you need good players and they don't have very many, if any, and they're bad and they're bad without a plan. And I think that's, what's got the fan base really, really fired up. Yeah. Who, who on the team other than Carter Hart, can you say this is a foundational guy? I'm not sure there is one. Look, Mm -hmm. Travis Konechny's had a terrific season, but he's not a top line, top 10 forward in the NHL. He's not right. somebody you can't possibly let walk away yeah. and or win without. They don't have anybody on the roster like that. They made those signings last offseason, right? Mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo. Yep. Uh, oh. uh, Ugh. Uh, what the hell? Yeah, he, boy, he, he can't play defense It was at all. bad when they did it. Everybody yeah. knew it was bad when they did it, and guess what? It's been bad. Yeah. Uh, I forget the other guy. The the the, the guy who's kind of goonish. Oh, uh, uh, De Laurentiis. De, yeah, yeah. Uh, to a lot of money. Yes. Which Guaranteed me, money. Right. Which exhibited to me there is no plan when you sign guys like that unless, okay, this is a piece of a team that's going to contend and we can fit him into this role. Mm-hmm. Not, not that. They're no. not that. No, they're not. They they are caught between. They are still holding on to this idea that they need to be competitive. They need to to keep up the illusion of making a playoff push. And I'm telling you, if anyone of the Flyers is listening – one of the best things that the Sixers did in the last decade was have Sam ha- Sam Hankey tell everybody up front exactly what they were doing. Yeah. At least there was no illusions about what was happening, and the franchise needs to do the same thing. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe they do at this point just because there is no way out of where they have put themselves, but there are other ways to build. They've just been unable to build a farm system that calls people up. They have a farm system full of forwards, presumably. Mm-hmm. Justin Braun's playing forward yesterday. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. yeah. That's where you are? you got to have a, an inept defenseman play forward for you? Look, this is this is not – Chuck Fletcher has not done a good job as their general manager, but this is not solely on Chuck Fletcher. You don't get to this point by making poor decisions over a two- or three-year period. You get to this point – by having fundamental, foundational problems in your franchise over time. And the biggest one that the Flyers have had, and I've said this to you before, Glenn, they never adjusted to the reality of the NHL being a salary cap league. Yeah. And that that predates Chuck Fletcher. That goes back to Ed Snyder and Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren and the way this organization operated for years and years before the cap but went they're, in. But they're long gone. Those guys are they're long gone. But it's, but it's more than that because... The decisions you make, it's harder to make good decisions per, player personnel-wise than it is to make bad ones. And they made so many bad ones for so long that they're still paying the price for them. But they're still making bad decisions. That too. It's not like they're slowly recovering by making good right. decisions, but give us time. They're still making bad decisions. People who approach me always say, like, well, it's ownership, corporate ownership from mm-hmm. Comcast 
is not helping the situation. Of course, they're remembering Ed Snyder, the hands-on sure. owner, mm-hmm. who y- you can be critical of, of Snyder, but they were they were at least they were an elite team that mattered for a long time. Yes. Now they are an irrelevant team that gets how many games? Eight thousand, nine thousand people yeah. in those seats. About that. Booing by the second period. I'm I'm watching the game yesterday. I watched it on TV. I wasn't there, but it was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What do you do about what, not what? What would you like to see with ownership? I would like to see kind of what I said, like an acknowledgement of the only way forward, which is to be bad on purpose. I hate saying it that way, and and to be bad in a way that shows you're building towards something better. Uh, they have not done that. They, I'm they've kind of walked. You, the, you know, can they win with this ownership? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. And I'll just add one more thing, which I say all the time. I wish the coverage of this team was more critical. Mm. I think that the team doesn't get enough attention, in part because they're really bad, and in part because it's hockey, which doesn't matter as much as the other sports. Take it from two guys who love hockey. But the people who do cover the team are writing about irrelevant nonsense rather than that bleep show on the ice way too often. I don't care about what kind of cookies they now have in the in the first uh, in the first union. Boy, I go back sometimes. <laughs> in the Wells Fargo. I don't give a damn about that. Please don't be tweeting that. Tweet about what you see on the ice. Thank you. Anything else from you? No. Okay. We did good then. Yeah. I'm glad was, we did that. We we that was some quality flyers time. There you go. Chris in West Oak Lane. Chris, let us start with the Phillies and Reese Hoskins. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, hey guys, great show. Thank you, um, thank you. And, and I'm glad you guys are continuing the the TV talk. I I, I got a good lot of good shows from listening to you guys. Oh, by the way, by the way, show. I left one out on Hulu that you should watch, uh, and I left it out because Michael said, "Are you the old man?" Oh, the old man <laughs> on Hulu is an excellent show. Soon to be uh, season two. Watch that one. All right, Grandpa weighs in. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> okay, so you know after the playoff run. There was a lot of talk about Reese. We should trade Reese. He's horrible in first base. How come nobody ever suggested to move him to DH? Um, I mean, I know we got Bryce coming off injury, and he'll be DH for a while. But long term, we can move Reese to DH and put anybody at first. Warber, one of the outfield guys, have Harper and uh, Castellano in left and right, and even put Schwarber at first and have the guys at platoon at center play, or you could throw one of them at first. Well, Chris, I think, you know, kind of taking this from a little bit more of a long-term view, you know, Hoskins is in the last year of his contract. Uh, my colleague at the Inquirer, Scott Lauber, has written about this, that he's kind of in a lame duck year. Um, and so the idea of moving him to DH and kind of reconfiguring the lineup, I'm I'm guessing here, but I would think the Phillies looked at that and said, look, Harper's not going to be here for half the season. Uh, we're not going to move too many pieces around uh, to, to shake everything up and kind of accommodate the fact that Hoskins isn't a particularly good defensive first baseman. Um, just leave him there. We'll see what happens this season. We'll get you know Harper back and put him back in the lineup where he belongs at DH, and we'll go from there. All right, Chris, for a $25 gift card to the Conchhock and Brewing Company, give us a one-day wonder. Okay, so my one-day wonder is um... – a sixer back when the team stunk uh, after they traded Barkley for all those years. 
we had a guy named Willie Burton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 50 points. I remember. One of those games. And that was crazy. And then he never never heard of about he set. The, I think he set the spectrum record. He did. Now, can either of you give me the very odd quote that Sixers coach John Lucas said after the game about Willie Burton? Something about Michael Jordan? No. I no, I, I thought okay. of, I, I'm thinking Thanks. of one that Burton gave himself when someone asked him what happened out there tonight. Why did you score 53 points? And he said, "Just hooping." No, well, although that may be true too. John Lucas said he played with a sparrow on his shoulder. I never really knew what that meant. I, I, yeah, what does it mean? I, apparently, you're hot. I don't know. Okay, that's what he said. All right, quick. That was the quote. Uh, quick Willie Burton story. So Willie Burton. Story? I do. Uh, so this is in my book about Kobe Bryant, The Rise. So the summer, Great, of, by the way. Terrific book. Thanks. I read it. I advise it. Available in bookstores near you and on Amazon.com. I it presume. is. And Audible, too. You can listen to the uh, the audio copy. Wait, did you do it? Who, no, who, I did who, the— um, did, Who did the voice? Uh, an actor. I forget the gentleman's name, but he did a great job. Ed I did Harris. <laughs> um, it was not Ed Gene Harris. Gene Hackman. Oh, that would have been great. I would have loved to have had that. But no— but anyway, so the summer of 1995, Kobe is playing pickup at St. Joe's every day, back at a time when those NBA players, Sixers in particular, would be playing pickup every day, no summer league. And Willie Burton comes in one day to play summer league ball in, this, in pickup at St. Joe's, and Kobe's there, and they're playing against each other. And Burton <clears throat> scores on the first possession and talks trash to Kobe, who is 16 or 17 at this time. Kobe shuts him down the rest of the game, scores like eight of his team's points, and so embarrasses Willie Burton that Burton walks out of the gym and doesn't come back. <laughs> so that tells you all you Even need to then. know. Yeah, all you need to know about Willie Burton. And tells you a lot about Kobe Bryant. Darn right. 215-592-9494. We're going to wrap it up. Phillies baseball is coming up at 1 o'clock here on 95 WIP. As the Phillies open the spring against the Yankees. I'm going to listen to Scott and Larry. How great is that? We'll take uh, a couple more calls before we get out. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. You were just looking at the box score of a, of a very freakish NBA game last night. Yes, the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Clippers. Your final score, Kings 176, Clippers 175. <laughs> Defensive struggle. Wow. How many overtimes? I believe two. Um, maybe. Let me check. Now I'm looking. That would have been something to see. Yeah. So that was the West Coast. So people watching that game, right? Yes. I'm sure it was on whatever, right? Yeah. ESPN. Or right. Turn on TV. Two overtimes. There you go. Two overtimes. Turn on TV, 11 o'clock at night. I'll just watch this thing for a little bit. You're up at 3 in the morning watching guys. Raining threes and right. dunks. <laughs> Guy came up, Malik Monk for the Kings, came off the bench to, to play 41 minutes and score 45 points. This is Willie Burton night. Yeah, he was he just a, hooping. He had a sparrow on his shoulder. <laughs> I don't know what that I means. I got to look that up. I'm I telling didn't... you, it's what John, you look that up. See if you can get it before we get off. John okay. Lucas, sparrow on his shoulder. Uh, uh, heavy in Huntington Valley? There you go. Yeah, man, what's going on? We're good. What you got? Yeah, man. I um, I want to talk some Sixers. Like mm-hmm. I, I just I, I got in an argument with this guy yesterday because I wouldn't blindfully uh, agree that the Sixers have like some great chance to win. Like, yeah, they have a chance, but 
you know, what, what, what were all the tank years for? You're telling me like all those, all those tank years. And at best, we just have like a slight chance. I just, I, I just agree get, with I, you I more than, you know, them. my friend, I <laughs> agree. Got, and got, and I, listen, they threw away what, four years, five years, whatever. And then they built to a, a team that consistently gets knocked out in the second round. To me, it's an if. If they don't do it this year, then I think the 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 process, the tank, the Sam Hinky genius idea was a failure. And allow me to say, Mike Sealski, mm-hmm. because I see you're looking very runnerish, <laughs> that I remember when I think it was when they drafted Markel Fultz, all oh, yeah. the tank enthusiasts held a what they call it a, the, 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 the a t- rally. No, uh, something that outed uh, the, the tank again or something that outed all of us who were opposed to mm. the tank because now it's been successful. Not yet. I'm with heavy. Not yet. Well, uh, I, you know, I love that you preferred the years when the Sixers best player was Andre Miller or Andre Godala and they were going ended up in the same place. Yeah, but. The only difference was that there was absolutely no hope then, and you're feeling like you sold, got sold a bill of goods because there was genuine hope now. And if, you know. if they if they do it right, I mean, what what Heavy is saying, if I may interpret Heavy, and please chime in, is they put a lot of years into this effort. If it's not now, when is it? Is that what you're saying, Heavy? Did I got you right? Well, you know, they got they got obviously, you know, Embiid. He's the greatest scorer in the league. But he's not a leader. We got P.J. Tucker. That, that's who we got. Some almost 40-year-old dude. You're telling me he's played a full season. You're going to tell me, oh, he's, his best basketball is going to be in the playoffs. And you got James Harden, who three, four years ago was averaging close to 35 points a game and is barely scoring over 20 points. Yeah. And yeah, I get Embiid's on the team, and don't, don't I get that he's having all these assists, but, yeah, you got Embiid on the team. He's I mean, we, we got to run, Delta. but we got to run, but I appreciate your call, and I, and I know you disagree. That's okay. Yeah, we, I mean, I, I, I feel like this was a franchise spinning its wheels for the better part of three decades. Okay, uh, before, and it's not now. Yeah, okay. they're, they're, better off, they're better off now than they were. I hope so. Well, you know what? Well, you and I will have this conversation in the spring. We absolutely will. All right. It is time to choose a winner for our contest. Let's get Nick Earnshaw involved in this. So we got a lot of um, nominees for Best One Day Wonder, and this is in honor of your favorite Delaware, uh, not Blue, Blue 67. Blue, Blue Coat. Coat. Excuse me. Good gin. Um, okay. Mac McClung. And the winner, yeah, in honor of Mac McClung, this is the best one-day wonder, and you win a $25 gift card to the Conchhock and Brewing Company, my brewing company, with four suburban locations. Give us a couple finalists. What do you like? All right, so we had, and I don't have their names in front of them. Nick, you might have to help me with here, but I believe it was, was it Gary who suggested Buster Douglas? It was John and Manny Young. John and Manny Young suggested Buster Douglas. There was the caller who suggested the 42-year-old Zamboni driver who became a winning goaltender in the National Hockey League for a night. That was Stephen Norristown. Okay. And then we had As much as I like the goalie and as much as I have fun memories of Steve Jelts, it's hard to beat Buster Douglas. Right, what do you vote for, Nick? I think you got to go Buster. I mean, that's right, that's the classic one. Buster yeah, I have it to is. Go Buster. Who's the winner? It is John Frazier. 
Gone from any. All right, we got just a couple minutes. What, are we off at 54, 50, or 55? 54. 54, 30. Excuse me. Okay. Give us what we forgot to talk about. All right, so I'll go quickly here. I got three for you. So, firstly, sticking with the Sixers topic, Tyrese Maxey. I learned this from Keith Pompey. Uh, I read an article the other day in the Inquirer. He is starting a podcast, Maxey on the Mic, and it's it's kind of going with the theme of all these players now starting their own podcast. So I thought I, I thought that was pretty interesting that a young player, 22 years old, going to start a podcast. You know, I listen to some of these podcasts, and with the exception once in a while of the Kelseys, um, most of them aren't that interesting. Yeah, you, you know? got to you got to you got to really sift through it and find yeah. it. All right, I'll give it one listen. He's a great kid, and I'll, yep. I'll give it a listen and see how he does. He's All in right. that. He's in those commercials too. All right, what's the? Yeah, yeah. The, the the insurance commercials. Yeah, God, those are awful. That's <laughs> not, not his fault. They're just all great awful. player, bad actor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else? All right. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Savannah Bananas. I the, yeah, the, yeah. They are so intriguing. So Johnny Damon, forty nine years of age, had an <laughs> at bat with the Savannah Bananas this past week in Daytona Beach. So uh, he's up there a little bit, but he can add that to the resume. He played for the Savannah Bananas. Did he foul off eight pitches from Brad Lidge and then he, eventually oh. steal third when no one was looking? He did, he, he did not. He grounded. Out to, he swung and missed at the first pitch, but then grounded out to third base. Killed the Phillies in that two, 2009 oh. World Series. Really hurt him. All right, one more. All right, final one. I don't know. Russell Wilson had a horrible season in Denver. Uh, it came out this week that he tried to get Pete Carroll fired, and he downplayed it. I, I don't know. The, the, Russell Wilson does not seem like this great guy. So. He he denied it, but the report is that he wanted to get Sean Payton hired, so mm-hmm. he finally does get his wish. If you're Sean Payton, despite all that, and you're inheriting Russell Wilson with everything that's gone on there, he's got his own personal trainer, his own personal thing, and so on, you thinking that's going to, you looking forward to that? I don't know if I'm looking forward to it, but I come into it thinking I have a whole lot of leverage, and this guy better do what I say when I say it because I don't know that there's another NFL player whose image and reputation have taken as great a hit in as short a period of time recently as Russell Wilson's have. Yeah. You know, so if I'm Peyton, I'm coming in there and saying, no more of the entourage, no more of the second floor office. Here's what we're doing, and here's how you're doing it. And if you don't listen to me, we'll find another way. Good pernt, Mike Sealski. Always a pleasure to work with you. I will be on tomorrow with Jody McDonald. You going to Sixers tonight? I am getting on a plane to Nashville for work. Oh, that's right. Well, good. Uh, Nick Earnshaw, terrific job producing. Stay tuned. It's Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. It's the first Phillies game of the spring. I can't wait. Right here on 94 WIP. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.